The Dude Fox Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Dude Fox Podcast. I'm Ronnie, he's Paul. It's been a day of deflections, world days, mistakes, and penalty saves. But last goal wins, right? Join the conversation on our socials. We're at Dude Fox Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Coming up on this week's episode, the Rangers Review, 100 Club, Virtual Tickets, Foundation Update, Loan Report, Kilt Walk, Unify UK, Lottery 50-50, Who Am I, Podcast Shop, On This Day with the Arab Archive, and Paul Payton is our special guest. It's all coming up on episode 87 of the Dode Fox Podcast. Hello, I'm Sean Dillon and you're listening to the Dode Fox Podcast. So welcome back to the uh, award-running Dode Fox Podcast with the multi-award-running Paul McNichol and me. This guy. Um, I said it earlier in the group chat, by the way, three o'clock kickoffs on a Sunday, man. They should just be banned. Like, it feels like a Saturday. It feels it's like too much a waiting a bit. Oh, it's horrible. Too much waiting a bit. Saturday, you're yeah, used to that. Nah. You're up for it. You can what's going on. The day, nonsense. Nonsense. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. <sighs> Do we need to speak about it? <laughs> well, yeah. We can't brush you So, I hate to speak about it. So, Way of the Rangers, undefeated this season, only conceded one mm. goal at him. He'll see mm. the whole league campaign, you're thinking, they might arrest some boys, playing Europe, they didn't, they goes for it. And a uh, couple of changes, we're looking at the team, mm. but obviously one was definitely enforced, which was uh, Peter Paul and Harks, we thought was going to happen, and then Nicky Clark coming for um, Adrian Spoiler, which you might feel a wee bit cheesed off about, given he, he played pretty well last week, but there was obviously a, a Real change in shape. It seemed to be a bit of a diamond in midfield, trying to be narrow in the pitch and whatever else. And certainly, for the first 30, 35 minutes, I thought we were impressive. We were confident on the ball, no, just comfortable. I think we wanted the ball. We weren't scared of the ball. We weren't just getting rid of it. We were bold. We were positive and uh, felt a wee bit hard done by probably at half time. And I think you actually mentioned it in the group chat and I'm not stealing your uh, your, your taking any of the shine off you but you said but probably needed half time to come after the first goal just as a wee reset is that was that your thinking just uh just calm down lads yeah, the, yeah well that's it as you as you've said like at the very start of the game when I saw the lineup I felt I felt quite bad for Sporler because he came on for the start or he was on for the start last week he scored the goal done nothing wrong and got two off but Harks, when he came on, was excellent. It was maybe as good as he's ever been. So I understood him getting a game as well. But I, I, I did feel for Sporla. I thought he could have gave us something different. However, uh, the game starts and we we never gave them a second on the ball. Two big chances. We had we had a few good chances. There was one Shankland. He, he, I mean, you're looking for him to score that. That that's the that's the person in our team that we need that chance to fall to. It did fluff these lines. The next one was Louis, and again, I think he's too nice. If, if I'm going through one on one, we we Alan McGregor. I'm not saying I would go hurt the boy. I didn't like the boy, but he seemed to pull out of it. He seemed to slow down the closer he got to the bar. I'm wanting him. Martin Sherry's winning that bar, and he's no coming off second best. And as it, it was just like a damp squib when he eventually, I think McGregor probably got to the bar first. Uh, there was also a shot for Louis outside the box that was decent. So we couldn't have started the game much better. 
without scoring. Uh, never gave them any time on the ball either, you know. There, there was a, a couple of chances that they had. Uh, so until they scored their first goal, I didn't think anybody would question that we were the better team. But I just felt when we conceded that goal, I just thought we absolutely felt a bit for about 30 minutes. I just, if the halftime whistle could have went straight away after that first goal, we might have had the chance to regroup. But the, the, the two goals in the first half, like both deflections, and it's sickening because I, I think my, I was, I was pissed off at halftime, but I was not pissed off at the players because the players, they'd done well. They put in a good, good amount of effort we played quite well. It was you could say they were unlucky goals to lose. There were certain things in the lead up that was can tackles should have been put and boys should have been closed in a wee bit better. But ultimately there were two deflections. So you're pissed off, but I'm pissed off because I don't like losing. Uh, and then the second half started. And I just we had I to didn't score, think we had to we, score the first goal, didn't we? Had to score it, yeah. And then the, the boy Harabo as uh, his name was on the team lines, uh, he he was good all day. Brilliant. He goes and scores Great an absolute player. cracker. Uh, and at that point, that was obviously game over. But we just seemed we just seemed to to lose our shape. And I, I also, at that point, there was a few instances where I thought I would take Callum Butcher off here, and it, it wasn't because he was hearing a stinker as such, but he was on a booking, and he was because he was on a booking, he wasn't closing people down, and when he got near people, he wasn't putting a tackle in. So. At that point, I was thinking, get him replaced. We need we need somebody. Like, uh, to go back to our group chat again, Martin, our buddy Martin said, uh, I think Fuchs should be taken off because he's probably going to get a second yellow. Possibly. He might have got a second yellow because he was still getting stuck in. Mm. Butcher wasn't it? Butcher was, to, in my opinion, Butcher was never at risk of getting a second yellow because he wouldn't tackle anybody after he'd been booked. And the booking that he got was just, just daft as well. But, uh, the fourth goal, we'll, we'll, hit a, we'll hit a mention that it was, I mean, I was literally, literally sitting with my head in my hands when it happened. I don't know. At first I thought, Benji, you could have kicked that bar anywhere. Literally anywhere, I bet for where you kicked it. And he didn't. He's obviously, he's obviously done the one thing that nobody can believe. Even he probably can't believe he's done. But when you think about it, like in the minutes just after that, Ryan Edwards should have cleared it. He should have just kicked to the ground. Because all he's doing, he's passing the buck, and I'm, I'm no like letting Benji off the hook in any way, shape, or form here. But when he has passed it back to Benji, he's put it on his left foot, which isn't his foot. And he could, and what was Benji going to do? He's just going to lump up the park anyway. Mm. So the defender, in my opinion, should have dealt with it. He should have dealt with it. He should have just put it out for a throw, and then get back and defend. But I mean, it was the fourth goal. It doesn't. Okay, it wouldn't have mattered. And, and then. Uh... Then we got a penalty against her, and I think Abdi's thinking, well, what we've, we we know Benji's penalty record's no been, he, he's just been unlucky, because let's be honest, it's the strikers to miss, it's never, the keeper can only be the hero, but a great save film for a boy that's Bro, took over by Tavernier, scored two during the week for the spot, um, a great save, and then we scored a, a good team goal as we've scored in recent weeks. And that, that's, yeah. these are the wee bits that are starting to show probably, maybe how good a team we actually are at times. And it was a great move. It was a really great move. And it was a really nice finish as well. He didn't have blast it. He just stuck it, ruined the goalie inside the yeah. post. 
And um, he, he placed it in. It was, it was a great goal. It was, it was a good goal. There's, there's no getting away from that. The one that we scored. But like ultimately, the, the thing, and maybe it's just a sign of me being an absolute negative prick. I don't again. But I was, I was I was pissed off at the end of the game because when they scored that first goal and and I feel that we we fell away, we fell away in a, in a stadium that's empty. There's not even 50,000 people on your back shouting at you and cheering on the opposition. I didn't understand how, how we fell away so easily. You know, I, I really didn't. I, I just didn't get that. And it happened the last time we went there as well. Uh, now, I would argue that we played better this time. No, we did. But again, they scored four goals. We save a penalty. Benji marks a, at least three good saves. On another day, you're getting an absolute trouser in again. And, and at least this time, right? Alan McGregor had a safety mark because I don't think he did the first game. No, I no. Plus, we managed to really ruin his night by scoring against ah, exactly. him. So ah, that, that's always a bonus. That is always a bonus. I certainly I mean, I, I think overall, I thought it was a decent performance. I thought we were the better team with the better chances. Well, it was nil nil. And I, I just heard, literally before we, we started doing this, I heard the. Uh, clip on Twitter that um, United had put up and the manager said you know we need to be closing down quicker at the edge of the box it was very like no actually it wasn't like Hibs at all that was a wee bit of a different situation but we just gave them a little bit too much time on the ball listen yeah I th- I they're a good team though, Ron they're, they're a good listen, team that, that's you, what you read out say. the record that, you read out the record at the start exactly. of the show here but they've, they've only conceded one goal and they've won every single game yeah there's what, a reason for that. What I'm saying is, though, that these are the we the, the uh, let's let's go manager, let's go find margins. But these are the wee bits that you, you're just you're giving them the time to make the decision. You know, the same way maybe we let too many crosses go in the box. What about when it could have been three 0 when it come right across and yeah. the boy Morello should score, like he should yes. score and he hits Benji. What? But just looking at the bigger picture, I think it's yeah. Listen, you look at it, it's four one. Right, it's four one. Take away the errors. Do we deserve over the ninety minutes to win the game? Probably not. But on another day, you just didn't know what you could have got. But I think we put in a better, much better performance. Listen, the the ends up the road that have just lost unbeaten records against Pompey Queens. They were quick on Twitter the night. I noticed that. And going our forward, big deal. Like I mean, the the actual the Rangers fans are the worst. Didn't get us wrong. But when I look at it there. It's kind of it has it undone what we've done the last couple of weeks. Of course, next week is it is it even bigger now? Of course it is. The defeat deals a a blow to top six. If that's if that's where we really want to be, and listen, as a fan, if we if you tell me now you can go top six and you get humped five games, I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it. We're a point behind St. Martin. They've got four pre-split games left compared to three for us. Game games like the day, right? Ultimately, doesn't mean much in the season. Now, they've not lost a game yet, you know. It's how we come back. It's how we do next week against a, a Kilmarnock. Obviously, we do a preview, but it kind of always leads into it. This is a Kilmarnock team we're coming up against. Lost eight in a row, no score in the last five. So right away, you can they might score a goal next week, right? Because it's the United way. We can the can the way it is, right? The thing is, the last three games, I think they've lost one none. So they're not shipping goals. They just need to mm-hmm. get it right at the other end of the park. And as you say. <laughs> Have I bought a ticket to this film before? Mm-hmm. But I think, again, yes, Saturday, yesterday, results were okay for us. 
I think no no major disasters again you're mm. asking a lot the day I, I was guilty of saying at the start of the season that's a free hit going to Ibrox I actually didn't like that phrase myself and the way we started in the half hour I was thinking the day we got a goal here Can I think if you got a goal against them especially Ibrox with no fans you put the shiters up in a wee bit because they've not been in that position you know no, that's true um, that's true so yeah um, frustrating yes disappointing of course, to lose any game four one, um, but I think there was positives to bring uh, to take out of it. Uh, a note for Kerr Smith, by the way, sixteen yeah. years old, seventy one days. He is the youngest United player to play in the Premier League since John Souter. He is the fifth youngest to ever play in the Premier League, which I think. Uh, and yeah. by the way, he's a big lad. He is a big lad, yeah. And we've we've obviously had plenty about him the last uh, well this season. Basically, it was. I'd heard of him and I'd saw him a couple of times last season in the, the under-18s, but it was when you watched the Sheffield United game mm. earlier in the season, Ron, it was you that told me this boy's got some. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, it's great. The only thing is, like, the game was done for about the 75th minute. Uh, <laughs> I mean, and by that, I say that because I think Rangers kind of stopped really trying to score anymore. Uh, so it would have been it would have been nice if he had got a wee bit of mayor, but yeah, I'm sure he'll be happy and he'll be proud tonight as well as family. Listen, did, I saw some people saying about, you know, putting him on there, Ken, what, what does that achieve? Are, are this games done? I see that, but to be able to say you've made your debut in a big game at, at Ibrox, big stadium, rather than away at Hamilton, you know what I mean? It's big for him. And listen, if that's... He's only 16, Ron. I know. That's what I mean. I'm 43. I would have gave well, anything. Well, underest. Shut um, your purse. I would have gave anything to play 90 seconds for, for Dundee United exactly. he's done it and he's only 16 Aye. so I, I'm no feeling sorry for the boy <laughs> but I would have liked him to have got maybe 10 minutes or so he'll be alright in football yeah listen I think it's uh, I think it's a really I think it's really good I think it's a, a really nice achievement for him and you know hopefully he can build on it and and that's that's one thing we, we hope to do um, we've got a busy one can we move on for the, for the game have you got a man in the Please. match Mm. <laughs> I mean, I'm thinking Benji, but he made a, an absolutely <laughs> oh, momentous error for the fourth. So, no, the, the champagne will stay in uh, my fridge okay. for this week. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll keep it myself. Did you have a scandal sleep the other day? Uh, yeah, with a rahe. I had a, a chicken steak burgers. and black pudding. Chicken burgers, oh, uh, nice. Tight. Steak and black pudding pie for Clarkies. And, yeah. uh, and I uh, can't eat money. Uh, and I'll tell you what... Um, I tell you what I did make a day. I made I made main hot sauce, right? Oh. Enjoy the toilet trip the morning. Fuck. <laughs> I'm no joke. Johnny Cash. Now, now, and this is this is this is breaking away from the norm, right? But uh, I used to make chutneys in that, like years and years ago, right? I used to love my chutneys stuff and like messing about, and uh, I was like. Oh, I, we were shopping the other day. I thought I'm gonna grab some chilies and just see what's what. So, uh, so I made it right. I thought I'd just make myself a wee, a wee bottle, and I wasn't really paying attention. Eh, I've got a liter of this stuff. Jesus Christ! So if MD's wanting a wee hundred mil tester pot of some hot sauce that I made, give me Fire a shout, and I will drop it. How did you manage to? How did you manage to make a liter by accident? Well, I just, I just kind of got the basics of recipe and started playing with it. <laughs> a liter's a lot. But generally, if M, if MD wants to try some. Uh, let us get in. and if it's easier to get to I'll drop into you um, because <laughs> did you see the guy did you see the Dundee fan actually on Twitter that he was saying a goat's grandest <laughs> he was asking he was 
requesting that our hard drives got checked <laughs> uh, for for coming up with Scrandus League. It wasn't us that came up with it. It was it was our good buddy Andy McAdam. But uh, and, we have definitely rode the coattails of that work. And then when he uh, was three one down, he put his picture up with a bottle of Domestos and said, "Hashtag Scrandus League, ring ya." So aye, so I've got I've got a litre of hot sauce needing homes. I'll take some. I'll take some. <laughs> and um congratulations by the way, Callum Butcher become the first Englishman to join the the uh, hundred club. He had his hundredth uh, appearance for the club today, mm-hmm. and I believe that um Arab Markham, Paul Riley's gonna present him with a commemorative plaque for lovely. the occasion, which I think is a lovely, lovely. thing. The only thing that is, is it's coming out of his wallet. So anyway. Oh, well. Right, let's move on because uh, there's loads coming up uh, today. Uh, I think we've all, the game's far too fresh for us to get embroiled in such nonsense. Now, um, timing of the tweet was interesting given it was five minutes to two the day. But mm-hmm. the march is on to sell out Tanadice. 7th of March. Oh, that's two marches there. I didn't mean that. Um, in association with Eden Mill, the game against Celtic, you can buy your virtual ticket uh, to sell out Tanadice. And uh, if you go to soldouttanadice.co.uk and you can find your chance to play your partner. I'm assuming loads of people have seen this. Loads of people have been saying they've bought tickets already. Um, yeah. And obviously this one is shite because nobody's at the games, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody's at the games. But... Uh, the fans have been there every single step of the way. And uh, the plan is, is to sell out Tanadice on Sunday the 7th of March, which I think is a 12 o'clock kickoff. I'm sure it is. Um, so another later podcast, cheers for that. Um, but a virtual ticket, once in a lifetime prizes. If you haven't seen this, by the way, and you know, you've just avoided our social media, right? It's £5 donation for a ticket. It'll offer you entry in a prize draw to win exclusive prizes, including your spot as a first-team squad member for season 21-22. I've bought 12,000 tickets. (laughs) I had better make that damn squad. So, um, if you win that, right, so the top prize of first-team squad member, right, uh, you'll get a squad number for the duration of the season, you'll get an official unveiling at Tanadice and signing announcement poster on the website and social media. You'll get your own personalised training wear, track A, home and away kits. Your name and photo will appear on every home match programme squad list. You'll get a biography on the official team website. You'll be in the official team photograph. Social distance, don't know I pulled up again. And uh, you'll get a training experience with the first team squad. Right, but most importantly, are you going to make it onto the Arab archive or are you going to hit a get? A 90-second appearance you, like Young Kerr got it. Nah, listen, you've got to. We've had trial. There's trialists on the Arab Archive. Well, we've well, got some, to. Well, the boys at Arab Archive, if you're listening, it's M-C-N-I-C-O-L-L. And listen. Uh, just get that ready for next season. We'll even cool. get you on here. Oh, definitely. Right. You'll be you'll be the first guest the next season. <laughs> we'll get you on here. <laughs> um, there's 11 official match-worn shirts from the Celtic game as well. Each of the uh, shirts will be up for grabs and there are 24 bottles of Eden Mills Premium Gin, the Dundee United version uh, for prize draw winners as well. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's just it's phenomenal, isn't it? Absolutely phenomenal price. There's well, no tickets be left because um, Paul's bought 12,000. I've, I've um, bought 12,000. So the virtual ticket, Dundee United against Celtic, 7th of March, 
2021 it's a five pound donation your virtual tickle ticket will offer you entry into the prize draw uh the draw will take place after the match against celtic the purchase of each ticket will automatically enter you into three draws one of which will be for the unique opportunity to become a member of the first team one of which will be for a match worn dundee united shirt and one will be for a bottle of premium gin from the official partner eden mill see you at tanadice use the hashtag sold out tanadice and the more tickets the more chances to win. Definitely. Yeah, I, I, told, I told you I told you before the game, I've got myself four tickets and when I get paid, I'll probably buy some there. It's a great cause. It's a good thing. I know that some fans mentioned this idea uh, probably a few months back, maybe late November, early December, it was mentioned. Uh, so fair play to the club for, for getting behind it. And I know a few other clubs have done it. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can only keep and it fingers works. crossed that it's a success. Of course, yeah. of course, it works. Yeah. So fingers crossed. Definitely. Um, with a wry smile upon your face, the loan report. We have a loan report this week, on. We have a loan report. Yes. So we'll we'll start with with Jake Davidson at Arbroath and Adam King at Wraith. Uh, so yesterday it was Arbroath v Wraith. Jake was once again not in the match day squad, and Adam once again started the match on the bench. Arbroath took the lead in the 60th minute with Chris Doolin getting on the score sheet and that prompted Wraith to bring on Adam King to try and salvage something from the match. Unfortunately, he didn't succeed and Arbroath secured another valuable three points as they closed the gap to their championship rivals, Dundee, to two points. Now, I said I would never mention this guy again, but I, I think that's a little bit unprofessional. So, he is technically still a United player and uh, definitely lost yesterday. So he's getting a mention. So we've got Paul McMullen at Dundee. Uh, Dundee were at home uh, where they, they held that great un, unbeaten record. I think it spanned 17 years or something like that. It was a long one. Uh, McMullen started this match and played the full 90 minutes as his team went down to, to a hopefully destabilising loss at home to Queen of the South. Queens took the lead in the second minute from the penalty spot before something happened in the 16th minute that I don't think surprised anyone. McMullen overhit a cross that missed everyone in the box and went out for a goal kick. Aside from that one highlight, there were another four goals in the match with Queens running out 3-2 winners against their lesser opponents. That's your loan report, Rondo. Very, very professional loan report. Indeed. And um, to moving on, <laughs> to give us an update on uh, the Supporters Foundation and for a man that knows a lot more about it uh, from the foundation, here's Mike. Thanks for inviting me on, guys. And it's just to give you a wee, uh, a wee update, you and the listeners, a wee update of where we are with the foundation. And I have to say, we're all really grateful that you guys... Uh, punt the foundation uh, every week and you know we're really really genuinely grateful on that so we have moved uh, this weekend past the 1600 mark so we've moved 1600 members and when you think when we had the AGM which was early December we had 820 members so we've virtually doubled the membership in less than three months yeah which which is quite remarkable really And, and these are now starting to be pretty big numbers, you know, numbers that we, we would have dreamt about three, four years ago when we yeah. embarked on this this campaign. So that, that's that's the the issue regarding the, the, the numbers. 
regarding the, the, the funds, as you know, as you know, the, the vote happened in this uh, in, in January. So we handed over sixty thousand pounds to the club at the end of January, and the deal was that if we could raise another forty thousand between then and the end of April, that that would be like a and a sum of money, a further forty thousand would go to the club. So mm. what I would also like to, to advise you is at the end the end of this coming week we'll hand over another ten thousand to the club. And what that means is between between uh, then and the end of April, we've got to try to raise a further thirty thousand. We'll get a good chunk of that from the the new members. Um, yes. So you know it's so important that we keep trying to get support and get the members in because the club will get you know that, that extra thirty thousand. So that in total between between the end of, the end of January and the end of April, the intention is to try to give the club a hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, it's fantastic. If there's anything, that's basically a COVID crisis grant yeah. application. And, um, I, and I think that's important that that, that, that like, I know that that gets said all the time. It's because of COVID that this is happening. And I think that that is it's, it's very important. That this situation hasn't been caused by mismanagement at the club or anything like that. This is just an absolute crazy state of affairs that nobody could have foresaw 12 months ago that has caused... The, the, the financial problems that were that the club are currently going through, and uh, I know that you're not looking for a congratulations or any pats on the back, but what you guys are doing, and, and it may have taken three years or three and a bit years to get to this point, but it's absolutely magnificent. And uh, as a fellow fan, just like yourself, I can only I can only thank you for putting something like this in motion and to getting sixteen hundred people up to now backing it. And let's just hope we can get another good few hundred joining with. Sure, it's the, the whole the whole thing's quite humbling as well because we're just United fans and we didn't really know where this would go. So it's great that we are able to help the club or play some part in in, in, in helping the club. Mm-hmm. The, the, the the final point I just wanted to say is we when when people join the foundation, uh, they get their certificate and badges and all that. Well, as you can imagine, we've been inundated. Those are eight hundred new members. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if, if the new members could just bear with us we've ordered badges and stuff like that and my printer's kind of in overdrive so <laughs> we'll, we'll get that stuff out to the to the, the new members within the next couple of weeks and and, and also the, the, the guys that have been in the foundation uh, coming up for a year or ten months or so uh, scarves and hats will be getting sent they're all, everything's on order it takes a bit longer because of the, the COVID situation. But again, that hopefully in the next two or three weeks we'll get the, the scarves and, and hats hats it to the to the, the existing members. Mm, that's so correct. once again on behalf of the group of the foundation, thanks for giving us a wee opportunity. Uh, to, to, to promote the foundation and give you guys an update. Yes, no worries. Um before you go, Mike, uh do you want to remind people where they can go and get more information? Yes, they could they could log in www.dusf.scot forward slash pledge. Uh, or or they could email us at uh, info at dusf.scot because some people have set up standing orders and, and filled in mandates. So e- either way, get, get in touch and, and we'll help you. And, and, and Jed and, and a few of the guys have been helping members to, to sign up or reinstate or, or some people have increased their membership. 
amount. So it's 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 all it's all good news on a pretty shitty day. It's all good news. So thank you to Mike for coming back on and explaining things a lot better than myself or Ronnie ever could. And uh, it's fantastic the numbers that are now supporting the foundation, and we can only hope that it continues to grow. Uh, aim for that magical number of two thousand that that I know Mike and. Uh, the rest of the committee have spoke about before, and even maybe even get more than that. Just wait and see. So we've got an update as to some more fundraising, uh, this time the Kilt Walk. So there are a few fellow Arabs once again raising money for various causes, but mainly the Dundee United Community Trust, and they would be delighted if anyone else wanted to join them. The walk this year, similar to last year, is going to be a virtual walk, whereby the walkers will walk the green circular route around Dundee. I've done that myself. It's definitely 26 miles. Steve Ross, Showmack, and Gordy Farkerson are working with Jamie Kirk from the Community Trust to try and recruit a few more bodies to sign up for the walk with them. Uh, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to take part this year as uh, my back is still gubbed for the daft walk for Tynecastle, and it's costing me some money now because I'm trying to get it bloody fixed. Uh, and I, I don't have an exact date for this kilt walk, but it is sometime in April. And when I get the date that the guys are doing it, I'll be sure to mention it on the podcast. We also got a, a DM through the week from uh, a podcast listener and fellow Arab, Anish Tewari. And if I've butchered your name, Anish, I'm so sorry. Uh, uh, Ronnie Bald reading this section, so it's on me. So Anish has made a support group, uh, a support page, sorry, to encourage others to speak out about racism and or if they have been affected mentally by high-profile cases. He's had quite a bit of publicity, which is great, and he's also done his first collaboration with a sporting professional. If you could all give his accounts a follow, that would be great. With the more followers, you'd potentially be able to speak to more high-profile people moving forward to tackle the issue of racism in sport and society in general. The accounts are UnifyUK underscore on Twitter and underscore UnifyUK on Instagram. Is that you? That's me. Good. The United Futures Lottery. Jackpot's not been won this time. It'll remain at £2,000 for the next row. I think that is correct, actually. I should have double-checked that, but I'm sure it will be. Uh, the Elite 50-50 match day draw first prize, £300 today. Ticket number 108699 and a second prize of £100. Went to ticket number 108802. You can sign up and get the details at unitedlottery.co.uk and remember all the proceeds go to support our academy. All right, lots still to uh, get through today. Paul Payton is our uh, special guest. We've got a wee merch update for you as well. Uh, but uh, depending if you're winning or losing, it's time for the most exciting part of this podcast is who am i which is five clues about a former united player but who indeed are they uh who was last week's by the way owen coyle can't mind owen coyle, owen coyle. correct boys telling me to go out in the first clue and nah, i'm no hearing it like look rondo i say it every week if you can it you can it I just no hearing it's it. know that the clues are great and it's know that the clues are shite if you can it you can it just... so i mean one week i gave you six clues one week <laughs> i gave you six clues uh, the scores as of uh, last week I'm on 26 Paul is a point ahead and it's his turn to answer today as well uh, 5 points first clue 4 points you get right in second 3 points for third clue 2 points for the fourth and 1 point if it takes you to the fifth right 
I'm not in any shite tactics for you the day, right? Because we've, we've, we're already about half an hour in here. We've got an hour and a half what, of Paul Bates. What do you mean shite tactics for me? You're just the boy that stalls that. Talking ages, like. You take ages. You're the boy that asks for the clues. Nah, nah. It's not a good touch. You're at it. nonsense. Right, you ready? Go for it. Okay. Um, it's a it's a it's a male. And oh, uh, six clues a day, brilliant. This player, this is clue number one, by the way. It's not just an intro. Okay. This player was a former under twenty one international when he signed for United, age twenty eight. Mm. This player was a former under twenty one international when he signed for United, age twenty eight. Let's go. What do you think, guys? Complete stab in the dark, because that's how uh, oh, uh, it's going to be. Go on. Kami Bell. You gave us nothing to work with there, Ron. Right. Nothing. Clue two. Oh, shit, what have I done? Oh, thought I started the music earlier. There. Clue two. <laughs> this player, so he, made his debut against Hearts and played his last game against Aloha Athletic. So he made his debut, he made his debut against Hearts and played his last game against Aloha Athletic. Okay. <laughs> it's a hard in the day, like. Aloha Athletic. That's not a lot of lights up. Uh, Why do you think it is? I'm not even going to stall because we've we've got a guest on this week. I have no idea. Clue three. Just tell me when you need Good. a recap and I'll give you it. No. You've given us nothing to work with anyway. So uh, I don't know about here. that, like. <laughs> here we go. Right, clue three. Clue three. Clue three. This player mm. collected... Still a he. Still a he. It's no change yet. Still a he. No. Wasn't a trendy about then. Collected a runners-up medal in the League mm-hmm. Cup final in 1997. So he collected a runners-up medal in the nineteen ninety-seven League Cup final. I, I can't mind what it was called back then. So I, I generally I'm not taking a piss when I say I don't know if it was the Coca-Cola Cup or whatever it was Coca-Cola called. Coca-Cola Cup, I'm thinking. Of. Is that when they got they got a bike as man of the match? <laughs> uh, Coke bike. No, I wouldn't. I'm sure it was, was a Coke it? bike. I'm sure it was. Stephen Glass got it for Aberdeen, and I'll double check that. Right. Okay.
vicinity is proof. I'm still absolutely clueless as to why this is. Uh, Will we move on? I'm thinking Alan Coombe. <laughs> I've got keepers on the brand. No. Nah. Do you want a recap? No. Nah. Okay. No, nah, I kind of can. This player is mostly remembered for scoring the opening goal in a 2 1 victory over Dundee in the first SPL game of the 1999 2000 season. He's mostly okay. remembered. I think I've got it. You think so? Do you want to go for it? Crack on. I'll I'll hear think. Okay. 99-2000. I think I've got it. This is for two points. So you'll still, you'll have a three-point lead. I think that this boy, he was, he was, we were speaking about him during the week. We were talking cult heroes, I think. But your face is getting nothing. You're all about the Cult Hero series being released online at dodefoxpodcast.com. <laughs> For two points, Mr. McNichol. For two points, Who right? I'm thinking it. Am I? Right. I, I've got a name and I'm no stalling here. Uh, I think when you've done what, what I've done, when you say under 21 international, I automatically assume Scotland. But I think for that game, the goal scorers were Scoldmark and Faraz, and I'm pretty sure Scoldmark scored the first goal. So I'm going Magnus Scoldmark. For two points. For two points. Yes, Magnus. What a boy. Uh, that must have been a, a rare occasion when he didn't get concussion for Seep coming for a bar and a wipe him out. Uh, clue number five in total he, the defender made 72 appearances scoring two goals before returning to his native Sweden in 2000 basically because Paul Sturrock didn't fancy him no in that oh, way a lot, of, a lot of people didn't but uh, he, he done a job I suppose yeah. he done a job so two, that, was, that was some horrific clues there <laughs> for one and two I've got, I've got well, but, I, 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 but I'm all about that that's fine it's my turn next week, so we'll see what you get. So two, three point, <laughs> you're three points ahead. But anyway. Good, I like that. Right, we mentioned the uh, cult heroes. Um, this is, the, 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 basically what had happened was, right, so here's how we'll start it. We were obviously quite quite a wee bit annoyed at Brexit and delays and all that kind of stuff to the hoodies and that, but they have all now came. Um, if you were in a Dundee area, a boy that looked like Paul might have turned up your door or or couple of times Leo would have turned up at your door looking for a tenner off you for delivery um, and everything else got posted on Saturday so likely I'll land Monday, Tuesday maybe Wednesday depending on what Royal Mail are like at the minute but thank you very much to every single person who's bought a hoodie there's been a lot of love for the hoodies um, any colour that we've done um, you've got a, you've got you're kicking about in a fashionable grey number at the moment I, mean, I am I'm a big fan of that yeah so uh, that big may, fan of that eh? that that may, uh, that may make its way on, but thank you very much. But uh, we were talking, uh, well, basically what had happened was a lot of you, your photo come up, of course it does, because you've been doing photo shoots all week um, for the fan of the year thing. You had the Mavondo t-shirt on and people said, can we buy that t-shirt? And we'd got that done as like a sample um, and you've had that for ages. I mean, you've probably had that for mm -hmm. a couple of months and we never really went any place with it. And uh, 
released an arm of Wondo T-shirt and it, it didn't do very well at all. But if you've got one of them... That's being generous. If you've got one of them, it's pretty unique now because this the new one has sold more, more than them. So th- then it started a conversation on Twitter about doing Cult Heroes, which Andy Crichton threw as. But mm-hmm. I'd, I'd written down a few names and thought, that might be quite cool or whatever. So we've created the Cult Hero series. And the Mavondo t-shirt and mug went on sale on Wednesday, I think it was. Thank you very much to everyone who's ordered them um, so far. Again, we've got slight delays um, in getting some stuff. We have changed the t-shirt on this one. And this is no Paul, you know, being on his soapbox. Now he's a big star. But um, you said you really like the t-shirt that these are on. It's these a are better t-shirt, yeah. They're really good quality t-shirts. So um, they're on this t-shirt. So they've got slightly different sizing. And it, it was in the description. So hopefully people have noticed that. But what we're now going to do is on the first of every month, we're going to release a new cult hero t-shirt and mug and um we're hoping to put the next one out to uh, or, or put a survey out to see who what cult heroes people would like because right now me and paul's list is what 40 deep 50 deep uh, and we can't possibly have 40 cult heroes but the thing that we need to we needed a definition of what a cult hero is mm-hmm. well I, I don't i don't think guys guys like somebody said somebody messaged me and said david goodwillie David Gould is not a cult hero. David Gould is a silver kissing hero. Like he is, yeah. you know. Um, so yeah, no, he wouldn't be a cult hero. Um, Victor Ferreira would be a cult hero. He he's definitely a cult hero. <laughs> um, I would say Eric Pedersen. I would say he's a cult hero a as cult well. Hero. I think Big there Shell would be a cult hero. The fans there. Yeah, possibly Shell, possibly, but. I would say out of the three, like it's Olofsson, Pedersen, Zetterland, I would say Pedersen, mm. definitely, top of that list. So so the plan is, hopefully, maybe this week, or possibly next week, is we'll put something out on our social media. Just vote. Just vote for a cult hero. And then we could see what people are thinking, and then we could run some of them. But the first of every month, there will be one the first of March, we've just not decided who it is yet. There'll be a t-shirt and mug. Uh, they'll be on sale for probably a couple of weeks. And um, You realise the first of March is next week? Yes, I, I'm very aware of that. Very, very aware of that. Is it no happy quick putting it two back to back? You don't want to give people a chance to. I mean, to decide where the cult heroes are. Well, or are you skint? I mean, I was skint here. <laughs> Dude, Fox podcast towers because that lights, which is uh, or that light bulbs flickering in the background there. But we need to play the bulbs. The plan is to release it next week. But we'll see, all right? Because that's just what's <laughs> happened here. So, uh, but thanks very much to people that bought the Movondo t-shirt because it's class. Um, yeah, it's a nice t-shirt. Uh, it is class. So j- just to make people aware, uh, anything that's online right now, apart from the Movondo stuff, um, is in stock. But there's no many. I think there's like one shite mug, one prick mug. I think there might be a Welshie mug. I think there's a logo mug. Uh and, and whatever you're not really doing a good job of selling things when you say there's one shite mug well you can't you're talking shite and you're a there prick. we go that's I mean, a wee that, bit of that that is, <laughs> that, is the, that is the collection so uh, but once again thank you very much to people who have uh, have supported the podcast and uh, and helped Definitely. us you know to, just to basically go forward and be able to plan keep doing this do yeah stuff. that means a lot um, doorfoxpodcast.com uh, there's links on our social medias and stuff as well but again uh, that's the sales pitch for the day and uh, let, let's just move on right so our guest this week on the podcast apparently wears a magic hat Paul Payton how are you? good thanks how are you? 
well, well as well as we can be in current situations. So thanks very much for giving up some time to uh, to talk to us. We'll get to your United career and what you're up to these days and whatever. But to start us off like we do with them all, can you take us right back to what an earliest football memory for you or when you first kicked a ball or game that you went to see? Well, it was a long time ago. Uh, my youngest days of playing football, I must have been three or four year old for my, my local boys club team, St Convils. Um, I played there for a number of years. Uh, my first pro youth team was Rangers. I was there from 10 till I was 16. I then moved from Rangers to St Mon for a year. Um, to be fair, I never really enjoyed it there. Uh, so I went from St Mon to Queen's Park. I spent one year in the youth team and then straight in the first team from when I was 18 till I was 21. And then that's been my my full-time football career uh, progressed after that. And the thing is as well, with Queen's Park, they've got such a good reputation. Who would have been in around your age groups then? My age group at the time, the youth team, we actually won the Youth the youth Cup final up at Arbroath. But in terms of youth players in that team, you probably wouldn't know many of them. I think David Weatherston might have been in it, the boy that went on to play for the Queen of South at Johnston. Mm. But apart from that, uh, Paul Kearney, Paul Kearney that went on to play for Hibs, Kilmarnock, but mm-hmm. apart from that, um, no many people you would know, but in terms of the, the first team squad that was in at Queen's Park, you'd probably know a few of the boys. Mm. What what was it like for you as a as a young player coming up? Was it the thing you wanted always to do? You weren't really interested in sticking out the school once you'd been picked up? That's it. Um, especially when you, you grow up where I come from, I mean, council estates, council flats. If you've got half a chance of becoming a football player, you need to try and grab it with both hands. I wasn't, I wasn't bad at school. I wasn't, Great academically, I wasn't going to ever be a rocket scientist, but I always knew I had a wee chance of becoming a football player, so I put all my interest in that. Is it true you started as a fullback? I did, right up until I was a centre half at Rangers. I was playing uh, the middle of a back three. Uh, when I went to St Murn, they put me to right midfield. I know you'll have a laugh at that. My flying wasn't exactly a flying winger, but I've done all there. And Aye, well, when I was at Rangers, I was playing centre-back, then they put me right-back for years, and then St me one up, and then when I was in the first team, with, when, I was in, when I went to Queen's Park, the youth team, they played the centre-mid, they liked me there, and then when I went to Queen's Park under Billy Stark, the first team, he seen me as a right-back, but someone that could progress into like a, a centre-midfielder. So I played right-back for three years at Queen's Park in the first team. Then when I moved to Patrick Fissel, Ian McCall played me wing-back for three and a half years. And it was only my last year and a half at Patrick Fissel. Jackie seen me as a centre-mid and he totally changed my career. Where did you prefer playing? Centre-mid. I did enjoy playing back because I was full of energy and stuff. Obviously, I've not been the quickest, but I always had a good engine. Could always go up and down, no bother. But I much preferred playing in centre. Um, get much more of the ball. Uh, I just prefer snapping into tackles. I feel as if you can, if somebody likes to organise in the park, I think, think it's easier coming to the centre of the pitch. Yeah, and at that uh, at Park Thistle, you know, you were Young Player of the Year in your first season, but also part of the, the promotion winning team, which must be a great feeling as a young player. It was. No, it was great. To be fair, I wasn't that young when we got the, the, the one. The, do you say Queen's Park or Park Thistle? Queen's Park. Queen's Park, uh, I was great. See at the time, when you're involved in such a good young squad, I get told at the time for Billy Stark, listen, don't take this for granted because it doesn't come around very often. You're thinking, right, of course it must come around very often. Yeah, same again next year. 
No, it was brilliant. I really enjoyed my time there. I think I played 107 games before I was 21, so it was great. But the, the squad we had was brilliant for that level. You look at the boys and only have a, a decent career. Again, Paul Kearney was there, Alan Troughton, Stuart Kettlewell. Mm-hmm. Boy Stephen Cannon at the time was a tremendous fullback. Had loads, loads of players that wanted to do well. And then after we left, a whole new batch of young prospects came through that obviously kicked on to good levels as well. He's just need to look at Andy Robertson to see that. And um, Ian McCall signed you for Parry Thistle. He's a character. Yes, he, he is. Um, he was. I've got a lot to thank him for. He took me, took me there on a three-year deal. Do you know what I mean? He could have given me a year's deal or two years deal because he was taking a wee chance on someone that was coming from what would be the League One now because we, we got promoted for the bottom division at Queen's State and what will now be a League One. So it was only going up one league, but it was, a, it was a wee chance that nobody had else to took on me to that point. So... That was great going there on a three-year deal. Um, no much money right now. And saying that was a chance for me to go and progress and I'd like to think that I had done that. So at, at that time, I mean, when you're at Queen's Park, you're obviously working as well. Is it? Is it still a gamble for you, even though it's full-time football and everything, or were you just dead set on, nah, let's just do it? At that time, I was just dead set. I was working manufacturing industrial lighting in a factory in Hillington and it was like from half seven in the morning till half four and then I would go straight for my work to training two or three nights so it was hard because I was on probably minimum wage at the time and at Queen's Park you don't get paid at Queen's Park so the most I ever received in a week at Queen's Park was £30 and that was for petrol money so that was literally all I got so even though I played the 107 games we get promoted we stayed in the league we put Aberdeen out of the cup get absolutely not a penny for it I think Nowadays, people would laugh at that when you see the kind of players they're attracting and they've got some money now, but at that time, we get absolutely nothing. We just stayed together because as a group of boys, we were good friends and we could see progression there. And it was something that now see any money I've made in my career since, albeit no millions, but I've treasured every moment of that because I know what it's like to work your backside off for absolutely nothing. What kind of effect would Ian McCall had on you, like taking you, giving you that chance? Well, as I say, I've got a lot to thank him for. Um, he put me straight in the team. I think in my time there, I nearly played 200 games for Partick Thistle, so I was never present. And I showed a lot of faith in me, um, as he does with a lot of other people. But I did enjoy working with him. I think at that time in his life, he was probably going through a bit of a harder time than what he is now. Um, so, um, you, could see, you could see he was going through a bit of a hard time at times, but he never really let it show in the change room. So... It was all good. Met a lot of good friends there. Had some a lot of good days in my life there. But for me, it all turned around when Jackie came in as manager. He he set different standards and he brought in a different caliber of player that I had never played with that club. And what what was it like when Ian McCall left? Like personally for you, how did you feel? Obviously, I was disappointed. But at the same time, you had people at the club, but Jackie and Simon, that you, know, you thought, well, if they're, if they're going to come in here and take the job they're going to do well so on one hand you're disappointed because the guys um, took you to the club and you're part of your squad that's underachieving and so that's the reason why managers lose their job so you feel a bit guilty but at the same time it was a fresh start for everyone we were kind of just stagnated in that division you could never you could never really see us getting out of it until Jackie took the reins and then he obviously leaves uh, after moving you to centre midfield and stuff was it I suppose for when you see a manager going to a higher level, it's it's one of these things in football. But 
obviously, given you'd worked with him and you've said good things about him, you were obviously disappointed. Oh, I was gutted when, when Jackie left, but he had he'd already said to me, listen, I'll be taking you with me. So I already knew, like, just get through the season. One of his captain and stuff, and then I knew I was going to be joining Dundee United. So it was mad. I was supposed to do my, my medical one morning after playing Children Beef Away. My party twist off went in for a tackle with the biggest centre half in whole Scottish football. And I went in with an open open foot and I thought I had done my full medial. So I was supposed to be doing my medical the next day at United and I was nearly in tears. I said, there's no way I'm going to pass a medical when I'm near this. So I've went and seen a specialist and he said, no, we think it might be an old injury that you've just opened up. Um, and they gave United the kind of green light that it prepare in time for the, the following season. So it very nearly never happened and well, in my head anyway. So... I'm just, I'm just glad that it did. Yeah. What, what was it like going up to? Would it have been St Andrews you went to, or did you get a tour round at the time? No, I went up to St Andrews because I was trying to be a good pro. Because our season had finished, we as a club we were going to Magaluf to celebrate winning the league and stuff. But because Dundee, Dundee United's league hadn't finished yet, and we just had one or two games to play. So instead of me going to Magaluf, I went up to St Andrews to see the physio for a couple of weeks to make sure I was going to be perfect because I knew it was the biggest opportunity in my career so I wanted to be absolutely fine for coming back to pre-season so I didn't go to my Maglev trip to celebrate the league instead of that I was up with Jeff Maglev you a lot of stick about that for the, for the teammates I didn't no but looking back I must have been crazy because my knee was going to be right I should have just went there and ended up <laughs> I've never heard similarities between St Andrews and Magaluf, but there you go. Um, an easy decision when you're offered a pre-contract for something like that to go to United? Uh, it's, listen, absolutely, especially to go and work under Jackie, as I say. He took me for kind of a right-back that was maybe only ever going to be a championship right-back or a lower, at best, SPL full-back probably. I wouldn't have been quick enough to play there. I know that myself, I've, one of the best wingers in the league was running me he's going to probably get by me um, no matter how tenacious you are if you've not got that pace you're going to get done so when he, when he moved me into there it's, it totally changed everything for me so I was dead set and going to going and join him but he phoned me he phoned me I think I don't know if it was his first game in Charles he's played Rangers in the cup that when Johnny was it Johnny Russell scored the early doors yep and that was Ronnie's first game as well was that <laughs> I, he phoned me after that he phoned me and says listen I've just said McCoy's Durant in that in the office saying they're, they're trying to take you to Rangers and they were going down to the third division or whatever and so he's telling me in one hand that I'm taking you United and he's telling me another I uh, think Rangers are going to try and take you there so I was I remember I was still I was in my flat and I was walking up and doing my rug and I loved him I was nearly walking goals in it thinking what am I going to <laughs> honestly <laughs> my feet in that rug as that my head was gone but I was like right and he had to kind of a week had progressed to that and he says, listen, you can wait to see what happens with Rangers or I'm giving you a free deal to come up here with Chris Erskine. What do you want to do? And I was like, no, I want to come to United. And to be fair, it was the best decision I ever made in my career. Mm. What was it like going into that dressing room as a new player? <laughs> it was it was good because I had already been up there for a couple of weeks. I had seen a few of the boys. I remember I was up there getting treatment and obviously Squiddy was in Magdalene partying. Uh, and Squiddy's a quiet guy he's a really nice quiet guy and I was up there and boys are throwing darts each other in that dressing room but bear in mind I'm, I'm thinking wow it wasn't like that at Thistle because Thistle was all close-knit pals all nice boys 
boys and there was more banter on the United change room so I text Squiddy I said so you're going to hate up here the boys are crazy there's darts flying about there's three kicking <laughs> each other he's like oh my god what's myself in for but we just had a laugh so I was prepared for all that but then by the time I came up for pre-season a few repairs had changed so it wasn't quite as wild Oh, I think Johnny had left anyway and he was chief orchestrator uh, for what he was telling us, certainly. But players that were there, you know, Sean, Sean Dillon's there, Stuart Armstrong, GMS, Keith Watson, plus you've got Ryan Gold, John Souter, and how can we forget about Gav Gunning? Yeah, I wouldn't because I knew you were going to mention him, but I loved Gav, I loved everything about him. I know, and we'll probably go on to about some of this, the stuff he's done, but he's, he never had a bad bone in his body when it came to me or... He would never. He, I don't think he tried to disrespect the club and stuff, but he was. He was just so loud and different to everybody else. But I loved him because see when Gav was at his best, you would have been lucky to find a better centre half in that league. Or oh, there might have been a few. All right, when Van Dyke and stuff was there, but Gav at his best was was very good. Forgetting some of the bad injuries he had, he could have been on to be anything he wanted to be. Um, I'm sure he had a two year deal. Agreed with Sheffield Wednesday, and at the last minute, he failed his medical and stuff like that. And then when he did his move to Birmingham, he done his knee in one of his first competitive games. So, yeah. Gavis, he was a great player and a great lad. And anybody would tell you, he was a hands over that dressing room. Um, full of nonsense, but you need that. <laughs> you know, you've got a lot of serious characters in there, like me and Ranks and Dillon. You need, you need a bit of stupidity at times to pick you up through the hard times. And it's safe to say Gav is that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, cer- he certainly was. Um, I mean, the stories you heard, but on the park, I say on his day, he was, he was a great, great player. Good. He had everything in his locker um, in terms of being a good talker. He was good in the air. He was quick. He was good on the ball. He just had bad injuries. And I think that never helped him mentally as well as physically. So a lot of the daft things he was doing, it was because he was probably suffering because he knew his body wasn't what it used to be. And like I say, some of the stories you hear, I'm just winding opponents up, but winding his end teammates up, you know, at half time or, you know, in training and whatever. But like you say, those characters probably help a dressing room, especially when it's can be a bit too serious. He used to crack me up every morning. He had one of these, it was like a big elastic band you would hold it two sides, you can stand on it and like do bicep curls, right? And Gav hated the gym. You would never, team we were doing squats and that, you would, you would bat all oh, my knee, can I do it my knee? And when we were doing upper body, he's like, nah, no for me and stuff. But every morning, he used to sit next to me and Squiddy and he used to get up. And he's like, right, it's time for my five-minute warm-up. And he would stand in a span, then he would do about 10 bicep curls, 10 triceps, and then he, he would do about 10, uh, <laughs> maybe five-minute warm-up. And he'd bat after, look at that. That down. But he would do it every day. He would do it. what are you doing? But every, every day, but with a span before training. <laughs> I mean, it must, it's some character like to be to be in the dressing room. Other players that you mentioned that had joined, you know, Andy Robertson come in, Callum Butcher come in for his first spell. Goody came back, and a, a certain mad Nadir Chiefchi arrived as well. Ryan Gall told us there was no danger he was getting a deal. Then we went to Wigan, and he pings in in the top bag, and you were thinking, "Wow!" Listen, I totally echo those sentiments. I couldn't. <laughs> They seem to come in. There was a few on trial. Nadia was in trial. And Kudos or Yanuka was in trial. See if you could take one, only one of the boys or the Kudos. He was, he probably had the best trial I had ever seen my whole career. I was thinking, why is this guy not playing for Tottenham? Honestly, he was that good. Keith, obviously, Keith had injury problems. So I think he had maybe 
had a layoff during the summer and came back and he wasn't as fit as Kudos because Kudos and Cal, I believe, were doing like trials in England trying to get clubs. So they were yeah. really fit through this. And he's came back and wow, he's he's tore Keefe up. Keefe was a good defender and he's tore him up. This first eight trainer, you got a hat Some two or three goals in this first game back. And we think this guy is unbelievable. Nads, Nads was another team and he was so lethargic and disinterested. I'm thinking this guy's never getting a deal, do you know what I mean? So I, I think Kudos might have got a deal either that day or the next day. He was that good. Like I think Jackie probably thought we need to tie him up because somebody's going to take him. He's a terrific yeah. player. He got a quite a long-term deal and we're thinking, well, Nadir's, Nadir's definitely not getting a deal. And obviously, <laughs> down at Wigan, did he come on as a sub against Wigan? I think he started. Every goal, it was unbelievable and that was just a silly enough thing to come. The guy was a genius, so he was. Yeah. No, was <laughs> a mad genius. <laughs> John Rankin tell us, even in pre-season, big nads. He was fighting with Andy Robertson and Marbella. He was squaring <laughs> up to him on the Astro Turf at St Andrews. I'm pretty sure you were mentioned in a scuffle, Wilm. Was that, was that <laughs> just him? That was just him. I think Brian Graham, I'm sure Brian Graham gave my fifth job as well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I don't think him and Brian go on that well. I think we're vying for the same position. That and anytime there was a bit of friction, I think Brian thought right, I'm going to have him here. Going <laughs> back, it was all I see stuff like that in train. It's, it's all forgotten about in five minutes time. Do you know what I mean? Um, by Nads, when Nads was brilliant, I, I was so surprised. And I never wanted to do better at Celtic because for me, he had everything. I just don't think he's in his correct position that he could flourish. Whereas at United. He was a main man. He can more or less do what he wanted, but Jackie gave him that freedom and he was never going to get that at Celtic. How was, um, although you'd worked under Jackie before, what was his pre-season like at United? It was tough, but it was all ball work. Like I've played under managers in the last couple of years and they would just run you, but run you pre-season, take you a track and stuff and run you, and that was never Jackie's remit. It was all, um, it was always advanced Jackie. Like he would do runs pre-season with tiny wee balls because he's like, if you can control this when you're tired, you can control a bigger ball. And it was, it was all, it was all good stuff he would do before minutes, but two of the four minutes runs would be with the wee balls and stuff. So it was, for me, it was really advanced. And that, you just always wanted to do stuff with the ball. And we had a naturally quite fit young side anyway. So there was no need to overrun these boys. You know what I mean? You were just to get them match fit, get them on the pitch and get them to, get them to play how they could. It was, as I say, my first pre-season, it was boys, you, you had heard about Mackay Stephen, you had heard about these boys, how good they were going to be. The thing, the people that kind of took my were guys like Ryan Dow. When I joined the club, Ryan Dow was electric in terms of in training. He was so sharp, so sharp, it was unbelievable. And I knew Stu was decent, but when I seen his change of pace in training, his acceleration levels was like something you just don't see in the Scottish Championship. He was he was electrifying. So I always remember it was A2 and obviously Goldie, because Goldie's so young. And you're trying to close the boys down. And if you don't get them on time, it's just nutmegging you. You're on the other side of you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> the players at the United at that time were, were brilliant. And I think we had uh, Graham Carey in trial as well at that time. He never even got a deal because we had just signed Andy. But no one knew that Andy was going to become the player that Andy did. But Jackie being Jackie, obviously did. So we didn't even sign an experienced Graham Carey because of the fact we had a young, young 17 or 18-year-old left back. Yeah, and obviously mm. the way... Jackie Hodge United playing and Ranks mentioned to us as well that he would cover at left back quite often and you'd need to be covering at right back but you just let them play the, for any of the four or whatever that were playing you just let them do what they've done 
it, it didn't really matter at that time who was in the front floor because they all done the same jobs and they were all they were all brilliant at it. Um, interchanging pace, power, they had everything in the front floor. Um, and I, yeah, uh, Andy uh, was great at getting forward, and Rank's been a great pro that he is with always cover from. So it was a good understanding we had. I've played in a lot of teams where you can't quite get in the best formation. And even I watched United a lot this year, and there's been a lot of times I think as you just fitting people in, it's not quite the right formation. But that for us at that time, that was our only formation we could play because it just worked. Certainly for the first year and a half anyway. Yeah. Like when mm-hmm. you when you're moving in there and you're going through pre-season and obviously it was a kind of stop start with guys like Nadir and anything. Was there a point during a game or anything or in training you just thought, this is a special team? Like or or these are special players. I knew if they would go in training, we were a, there were special players there. But it was probably after the first few games because my first game, I had a shocker. I was the one ranks where went to hissy fit, throwing stuff about. Remember <laughs> getting taken off? That was my home debut and I was terrible and I knew that. And I knew it should have been me coming off. And I could see Ranks' reaction because he probably knew she was Pates coming off because I was poor. And I think Jackie never took me off because it would have maybe that my confidence a wee bit because I took ranks off an older pro he'll deal with it we were poor that game so I think Jack done me a massive favour that day because he didn't take any time with me not that it would have anyway but just in case it did kind of thing Jackie think that so that's the kind of guy Jackie is he's always thinking really clever guy so it was after the first few games when we really started to hit a bit of form is when you thought wow we could have a really good side here Is that game also the one where ranks got taken off is that the game where Squiddy got taken off and he was kind of the, the fans kind of cheered it which wasn't the best and I felt I was sorry for him that day but that's the thing and that kind of ruined Squiddy's career and uh, there for that period because he ended up having to go and loan to Park Thistle whereas yeah. if he had there's probably a lot of people that would have cheered as well so it wouldn't have been great so it could have been me I'm just glad it was Squiddy <laughs> <laughs> you're obviously you're actually you're Debut in the league was a way to Partick Thistle. I mean, you, you couldn't write that, could you? Go, going back to your old team. I know, I nearly scored as well. Um, I think Foxy managed to tip one over the crossbar. Would you sell it? Was it one each game? Off, listen, I would have took my top off and ran. I gave them what? <laughs> he, went, he went to stick there because already, me and Squiddy had already agreed pre contracts. So we were going to win the league and I had done that, but it was my best interest. So certainly don't regret it. Um, I have that. Let's just say I would have uh, celebrated that one. <laughs> <laughs> League Cup quarter final, Inverness away. Nadir sent off. Eight players booked, and Richie Fourn dishing out elbows. Another quiet game for United. What was the final score? Two one. They Two, scored one. in the very last minute of uh, extra time. Big Ross Draper. I forgot. I no. It wasn't, it wasn't a game that sticks in your mind. It's more it's more the semis and that that's sticking in your mind. But it was obviously mm. a big game because obviously gave us a chance to then obviously get to the semi and then get to like a final, do you know what I mean? So it was for all the young boys, they were becoming men, do you know what I mean? Playing any big games underneath were full of big guys, hard tackles, elbows, everything. And they started to stick up for ourselves, do you know what I mean? Like how many times did Jim Goodwin, guys like that, leave one and Stu, Goldie? It was happening all year because they thought they could bully these boys, but yeah. the only team that had the upper hand on us in terms of physicality, the Johnson. 
Uh, I can. No, that game, as you say, it wasn't one really that people will remember much of. But I think the reason that United fans remember that game is because that was when, when Nadir got sent off and then there was all sorts of accusations that he choked the ref, he'd slapped the ref, he'd done something to the ref. Power slam the linesman. And, and, and luckily, I think it was Arab Zone at the time, we had footage from a different angle and it showed that he didn't do any of that nonsense. Is that, is that the night? Were we being red and white that night? Uh, it's a classic strip, I honestly can't I can't remember I can't remember I'm not sure but I, Nats was always going to blame for everything but this oh, day of course and everything else he does so <laughs> he's is what then is what Morelos is now he's always just uh, that's just the kind of guy he was but we loved him the fans loved him and know you know when only make a lot of money for Dundee United Definitely, mm-hmm. I was. Uh, but like I say, eight players booked. There was a Paul Payton yellow card. Of course, there was. One game we have to mention. You scored your first goal against Motherwell in a four 0 win. Right, it was a brave header. We'll give you that. But Stuart McCall said it was the best away team performance he'd ever seen. Does that then just cement how special a group of players that we had at that time? Oh, absolutely. That's what I mean. It was like after the first few games of the season. That's when we really started to kick on. I actually watched that. I was reminiscing that just a couple of weeks ago and I watched the full highlights back and you see the amount of chances we made that game it was unbelievable it was easily double figures it was I think we even might have had a goal ruled off with wee Andy or something as well so I mean unbelievable see it was, I think it was for my goal the pressing in the corner for GMS and Goldie maybe and it was just that just epitified everything we were about at that time high energy good attacking free phone football and uh no, it was brilliant to play in a team like that. Do you know what I mean? You're going on the pitch every week for against see if the other team score. We'll score two or three. That's what me and Ranks should to each other the pitch if the other team scored. We'd like let's just calm them down because they're gonna they're gonna win as a game. There was plenty of times at Tanadice we were getting beat or a few anyway, it was gonna happen. The boys were that good. But that that'll always stick in my memory, that game against Motherwell, because when Stuart McCall said it, the rest of us fought it, it was quite unbelievable there. The attack and intent for the boys was was incredible that day. I was watching. I watched the the goals back the other night, and like you mentioned, the pressing in the corner and Goldie plays the cheekiest of nutmegs as if he's just wandering through the park. What a ball at his feet! Just knocks it through the boy's leg. It's phenomenal how good it was. How good was that partnership for you with John Rankin? Unbeatable, unbeatable. Honestly, the guys. I can't speak high enough for Ranks. Anything from being like a family man to. Just a guy to a teammate, or oh, brilliant. The way he looks after his body, the way he looks after the people in the team, the way he looks after his family, everything about the guy is just, yeah, he's just a great, great guy. Do you know what I mean? You, know, you go on the pitch with him, you, go, you would take him to the trenches because you know, see if the chips are down, he's going to back you up. Do you know what I mean? The, as you say, see that things like filling in for Andy, and that he was never caught away beyond the ball. If I was beyond the he was always just there. And I learned that to him as well. That, I would kind of be doing the same on the other side. So, no, he was brilliant. People people forget how good a player Ranks was because they say, oh, he was fit and that. Ranks was a good footballer. I've seen a few goals the other day. He scored a lot of good goals his career. The goal I seen was against Kilmarnock when he's rifled it in for near enough the touchline. Ah. I mean, Ranks is a good, good player. Is that him sending you these videos? Yeah. <laughs> Just to remind you. <laughs> I, I, I say to him I said that he didn't score many goals and he corrected me saying I've scored plenty of goals I was top goal scorer at one point oh, alright okay um, but he, he'd mentioned uh, about that game that Motherwell game and he, he, he says it 3-0 Andy Robertson didn't go any place we're 3-0 up and then he gets the ball on the edge of the box and there's a shout to his left hand side and it's 
Andy Robertson, the edge of the box, to score the fourth. And he's like, can I tell them? He's still no changed, Andy. The, the kind of enthusiasm he had for the game then and non-stop running, he's just carried that right through his career. He's already, he's obviously filled up, uh, filled out and grew a bit, but he always had that in the locker, just just enthusiasm. He got up the pitch and helped his team and he's still got it to this day. It's, it's brilliant to go and see him achieve what he's wanting to achieve. Mm-hmm. What do these what do these boys do different in training then? Because you watch guys like Robertson and he never seems to tire. And then you get boys, and I don't want to name them, but there's certain players that have played for United over the years, and they, you can almost guarantee they're going to be all right for about 60 minutes, and then they just tire. Like, what, what is it just everybody's different, I guess? But they must do the same sort of training. How can some boys just go and go and go like the Duracell bunny, and other boys just run out of steam? I think a lot of it can be physical. A lot of it can just be how big your heart is. So, I mean, if you mm. want to go and do it, go do it. If you want to say, oh, I'm tired, you'll be tired, Andy. Andy was never one of the boys that's going to say, oh, I'm knackered. He just, just went through his full career. And see if, see if you do that for an early age, you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. You're going to do it in your full career. See if you're one, nature, yeah. one of these guys that's going to go, oh, oh, don't mind playing for 60 minutes, and you kind of program your body to just merit this shot doing it after 67 minutes. You're going to be that way. Just yeah. in the entire you can you're doing the same as everybody else in training, but some people will work harder away from training than others. That ranks when they take days off. Like ranks mm-hmm. would be him on his day off running on a treadmill every day and he had me doing it but I wouldn't run I would go and do the bike most nights I'd be in the gym Ranks would be in the gym but we had to do that because me and Ranks are the type of footballers that are going to be in the team every week for running by three and four guys we were in the team for hard work so we built mm. ourselves hard work whereas it, it would be and, and seeing saying that when I first went there see when Stu and Gaz but they take their tops off you would think ah Fancy players have not been much to them. The two of them were ripping, and the two yeah. of them had arms and chest. I think that's how they're so quick and strong because mm-hmm. they're so good at the gym. They guys were brilliant in the gym. See, anytime we were to be doing strength and condition stuff in the gym, doing guys would have been strong as anybody. And you would never think it. You would have thought, oh, fancy tricky wingers. The two of them were as strong as anyone. And that stuff like that is what took them on. See, the difference between ads, ads would maybe no want to do that side of the game in terms of looking after the body and stuff in the gym. Gaz and Stu would. That's how Gaz and Stu went to Celtic and had a bigger impact in the beer. That's how Stu is now playing every week in the English Premier League. In mm-hmm. terms of there was nothing between Stu and Nadia. I think Nadia would have edged it. But Stu was just the ultimate professional and sometimes that's where that can take you and that's just the drive he had that was different to Nads. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, no, fair point. What did... Um, what did it feel like for you for the step up to the Premier League at the time? Well, if you watched my first home game, I thought oh, he's not going to cope, but <laughs> just a bad game. Um, obviously, it helps when you're playing next to somebody like Ranks because he's always talking. And we never, we never tried it in too fancy. I mean, like, so obviously, we could play the passes, we could score the odd goal, but just get the ball, the ball, the boys that are going to cause our team's problems. We had players the teams. The team that was some of the best players in the country just gives them the ball and let them attack. So they made their life easy. We were mean ranks for more than willing to do the hard work, but it was the guys at the top of the pitch that won us the games. Mm. Um, a fourth place finish in your first season, which was great. But the Scottish Cup run, you know, we 5 2, we beat Kelly 2 1 against St. Murn. We had bus journey boxing on the way up to, uh, to Inverness when Nadir and Ryan Dow were trying to punch fuck at each other, for want of a better phrase, um, which just 
in my mind, when we were told that for John Rankin, I couldn't believe what I was hearing. But then I thought, Nadir's involved. Of course I can believe what I'm hearing. Sense. But <laughs> just the way we the way he is. Um, which was a great victory that day as well, 5-0. And then the neutral semi at Ibrox. For us as fans, what a day. What was it like to play in? Well, that's that's the best day of my career. That's one of the best days of my life, to be honest, for a whole host of reasons. Um, obviously, I'd played in every league in the country. I'd never played at Ibrox because when I've came up, they've been done. So I had grew up a Rangers fan when I was young. I had been at the youth team for six years and stuff. So um, that that was Ibrox was the last stadium in Scotland for me to play at. I'd played at Hamden stuff because I was at Queen's Park. So I had obviously played at Parkhead in the SPL. So Ibrox was the last one. So it was going to be a big day for me to go and play for United in front of all the fans, in front of 14, 15 of my friends and family. Um, so it was a dream come true for me. Um, and to go there and win and get man of the match as well, it was, it was, the, it was the best day in my career. Um, it should have been the second best day in my career, but you know what happened. What was um, what was your view of the Deer's goal? Or were you just thinking, just put it in? Just get your arms down and put it in? It was still a bit nervy because I, I felt we were obviously controlling the game and stuff, but you're, you're at Ibrox at Strangers and they're always going to maybe have another chance. But when that goals went in, he make it 3-1. It was, that was it. It was party time. And we knew it was over and we knew we had the final to look forward to. The sun was shining. Full, <coughs> full Ibrox. Full Stanfield United fans are. It was brilliant. You couldn't have wrote a better script. Could you appreciate the shy house tactics for Andy Robertson saying he had to go off injured? Because he was on a yellow card <laughs> and it meant John Rankin couldn't have got off. I, bro, I think I think the managers weighed up like who would we rather lose here? And, <laughs> and Andy off. So uh, play. I think there was a guy. I, I remember there was a couple of boys on yellows, so I think they would all want to be off for that no, at that time. I can imagine. We spoke to we spoke to Dillo, we spoke to Ranks, we spoke to Ryan Gold about the final. What's what's your view on it? St Johnson just had a number. All season, didn't he? It was, I don't know, it's just one of the ones you can look at. Do you know, it's probably the only game in my career that I've never watched back. I couldn't force myself to watch it back. Because uh, that game hurts me more than the relegation, and we can go into why, but it does. And I obviously, Dowser's had a flick in the in the game, and it's hit the post. And I'm just, for just like, it's going to be one of the days. It was a terrible game. I get taken off before I get sent off. Could I maybe get sent off? And then Nadir's and Nadir's hit the free kicks, hit the bar, it's come down. Stuck uh, to the keeper. To the keeper, and you're just thinking, what's going on? But it was just one of the days that Rado's came for a cross. I think Rado made the same mistake that he made a few weeks earlier, coming for a cross, missing it. And see, see against St. Johnson, having played for St. Johnson and knowing how they work, see if you lose a goal against St. Johnson it's going to be very tough especially when they've already got the upper hand on you all season so it was a mistake listen nobody criticised it was a bad mistake in a big game but kind of half kills we should have still had enough in the squad to go and score the goals but I just think what happened to his previous against St. Johnson that season it was it was always going to be an uphill task we couldn't really break them down they knew how to bully somewhere attacking boys um, they were in Nadir's head stuff like uh, just all season I mean saying stuff there. so we just I think some of the boys just hated playing them and then when we're on we're trying to uh, get the goal they got counter on us and it's another bad goal and at 2-0 the game's over and it's 
as I say, that was the biggest disappointment in my career because you, I was never going to get a better chance than that to win a Scottish Cup and to be a United legend we would have been at that time. So that's honestly it's bitterly disappointing. I think about it most days actually. And then when I've went to St. St. Johnston, you're walking in and there's pictures of it all over the reception and stuff. So I could never get away from it, but uh, it's bitterly disappointing. Um, with, the, with the talent we had in the squad, we should have been able to win that game, but I think just they had a lot of experienced boys and they knew how to play against us and that's definitely what we went against us. As you say, they, they definitely had one number. I think the first time we played them that season, we gubbed them. Pretty sure it was either 4-0 or 4-1. And whatever happened that day, like looking from the outside in, it's almost like Tommy Wright's thought, right, okay, we can't play that way against them. We'll change to do this way. And I don't think we scored against them again the whole season. Uh, we were poor. We were poor. And having known Tommy, he does know how to set up against sides. And I think for whatever reason, they didn't really like Dundee United. I don't know what it was about Dundee United, but he just never liked him. I don't know if it was stuff that Jackie had said or whatever, but it really got under his skin. So, uh, as you say, they just had big, horrible players, seasoned pros that that, I then want to be one of them. He just signed the right kind of characters. They just dig out horrible wins, and I, I think I think watching the United St. Johnson games from that season, Fraser Wright, who I'm no a big fan of, his his sole purpose was to wind up CFC. That was how he seemed to do. That's how he seemed to do. Off the bar, on the bar, just niggle him all the time, and I, like he couldn't have shift his bits, in my opinion, on a skill level, but. It just worked. It was just effective on against them. It was just one of the things, I, as you say, I, he, he he's came out and said since that he would just wind them up the full game and I played with Stephen Anderson as well and he would do the same. Do you know what I mean? They would, yep. just, they would just get in his head. Um, we had far superior talents than St. Johnston, but they were probably a better unit. We were a better side, but they were a better unit and they were streetwise and... Mm. That a lot of our players went on to be streetwise and they are now in their career but at that time we had a lot of experience and we just won the good enough in the day as well but obviously our thousands one goes in it's a totally different game that's when St Johnson have got to come out and leave the gaps but like everything in the game just went in their favour and a lot of that is down to the players but the fine margins in football if thousands goes in early in the game it's a totally different game isn't it Aye. Uh, you missed just two games that season, the runners-up medal, and then a fortnight later, you got your first international cap for Northern Ireland. What's the story behind that for anyone that doesn't know? Uh, well, my father my father's was born in Larne, so I was obviously able to play for, for Northern Ireland, so it was great to represent him. Couldn't ask for two better <laughs> friendlies. Going over there to South America, making your debut in Uruguay, and then flying for Uruguay and playing Chile playing against guys like Cavani and did anybody um, bite you in Uruguay? <laughs> no, I was all right. He was injured. So. <laughs> Just what? as well. Good experience though. Oh, it was brilliant. The two the two of the teams were flying straight from us playing them out to wherever the World Cup was. So that, that was the last games before the World Cup. So it was like two houses. It was it was brilliant. But when I before I went to South America, Jackie pulled me after the Scottish Cup game. And he says, uh, I think you're going to be signing for Cardiff. Um, it was Whoever was in the team hotel, that was sorting a deal for me to sign for Cardiff. Unaware to me. So I get told that the next day after the Scottish Cup, I was kind of moping about. 
we had to go up to Dundee for some sort of fans thing. We'd have been unprofessional and wrong as to, although we didn't want to be there, we had to go to show some respect for the people that supported us all year, sponsors and stuff. So he's asked me, listen, I think a deal's getting done with Cardiff now, kind of that way. So I'm away to South America thinking, am I going to be signed for Cardiff here? I'm not really sure what's happening. But whilst I was away, I didn't hear it. Get back. Jackie said the chairman wants to give you a year's extension. And I was like, oh, I'll sign it. So don't know what happened with the Cardiff stuff. Mm. I think Solskjaer was, ma- Solskjaer was manager and they were just getting relegated for the Premier Division. So it would have been a good earner for me and stuff. But when Jackie said there was another year for me, I said, well, I want to sign the other year at United. So no. I don't know Another three years for that moment on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the next season we've heard Goldie's take on him leaving. You boys are out of the laps in pre-season, and he's like, "Right, lads, I'm off." What What was it like for seeing him and Andy Robertson get their moves that pre-season? You're obviously happy for boys that you spent a year with, young kids, and you're thinking, "Wow, they've got the, the world to their feet." But it's obviously the beginning, and the end for us. Like when you start to get into the kind of talents. For all right, a bit of money, but no, it's no unbelievable money for the club that you're going to be able to spend a bit of it and get other players in. You're never going to get that kind of ability in for that kind of money. So looking back, it was the start of the end, but you you couldn't you couldn't begrudge boys a move to the kind of clubs. Well, especially Goldie going over to Sporting Lisbon, that was unbelievable. And then obviously Andy was still a big move at the time to Hill, but obviously a small move and can in terms of what he's wanting now. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the players that come in, uh, was big for you as scary as he looked? No, he was really, he was really nice and calm and well-spoken off the pitch. Um, but he was good for his on it. But off the pitch, he was quite a, a quiet guy. You would never uh, associate him with any any performances. Do you know what I mean? He was obviously a a hard man on the park um, but he didn't have to one off it he was just a nice big guy because mm, the, the big memory is I'm rolling away when he scores against Dundee and you're just thinking he's a madman I love it <laughs> as well he was very good he done well for us mm-hmm. yeah he was, a, he was, he was a, a big loss when he went uh, he was he was a lot quieter in the change room than what Gav was put it that way <laughs> <laughs> oh Gav as long as there's not any pints of piss getting dished up, you'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like you say, when you're, you're you're looking at kind of that season, there's obviously comings and goings for it. You've, you signed the contract extension, shows you how happy you are and like you say, the beginning and the end. Some things that we've got in there, and this is very much a what's happening with Paul Payton this season. Um, let's start with Aberdeen, Spitgate. Johnny Hayes says it doesn't happen and you still get a two-match ban. I know, listen, that was, I couldn't believe it was going on. I, nobody in, in the pitch thought I had done that. I certainly know I wouldn't do that to somebody. Never mind anyone else. Johnny said, no, definitely no. Everybody would say, no, referee, no. All the fans, no. Derek McInnes, no. But obviously, so I can't remember why it was. I still got the two-game ban. I think, I don't know why it was, but it's one of the things you just look at and you think, oh, what a pain in the backside, but it wasn't the only thing that happened that year, but it was still... Did you go at the hearing then? Like, when do you get cited for that or does it just get like it does now with three people just decide what's happening? I didn't, I didn't have to go anyway, I'm sure. I don't know what happened, but um, everybody knew I hadn't done it. So it didn't look great in the video, but stuff in videos can be 
misjudged and not taken for what it was. So I certainly never done that. And I would never do that to somebody, but to, for them, he still kind of gave me the band for something I never done was obviously disappointing, but you just move on for it. Mm-hmm. Well, for something that you didn't do, for something that you might have done, uh, there was a wee night out in Glasgow. And I was actually in Glasgow that same night. Uh, nowhere near yourself, obviously, but I was in Glasgow that night. How did all that come about? Was that just Zaluska being a bit of a prick that night? I've never actually told anybody because there was people wanting me to speak to the papers and that after it. Uh, and there was a guy trying to say, oh, we'll pay you this to sell your story. Was, I wasn't interested because I just wanted that kind of bit in my life to disappear. But I'll tell you because it's interesting and a lot of people just read fronts of papers and don't actually go into the details. So I'll tell you, I'd actually just won SPL. I had won two SPL by the months at United. And I just won my first. So I was thinking we were off. Bear in mind, I had been called up for all international games. So I had really no time off. So we were off the Monday. So I thought I'll go for a few beers on the Sunday. So I had met my mate. Mark Wilson was there, Jim Goodwin and that, but they were kind of on separate nights, but we met up. So whatever, I had four or five pints, fine. Uh, Willow and Jim Goodwin that were going home separate, they were going away, and me and my mate were going to go into Glasgow and continue having a few beers, because we hadn't been out till the back eight o'clock, and I think Ashton Lane shuts at, say, 12 or something on Sunday. So we'd hardly been out, four pints or something, four hours, nothing. So I'm walking with my mate, and Willow's up ahead, but I see him, and I'm walking with Willow's wife, uh, quite the thing, so, and I hear Willow talking to somebody, I go up, and obviously I, I then realise it's Zawuska, and obviously I've known him, because Rado always spoke about him, I think they were best pals, because yeah. they were two, good pals, so I'm walking, and I'm like, oh, nice to meet you, Lucas, um, Rado speaks very highly, and blah, 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 and honestly, mate, he's went like to me, no, you're fucking Rangers. I hate Rangers. I want to kill all. Right? So I'm like, well, I'm kind of right. Whatever, mate. No bother. So I continue walking, right? And he's he's shouting at Willow about me. And I'm like, what is this guy's problem? So I just keep walking. For, I think this guy's just steaming or he's on one. I don't know what he's doing, but I'm just going to keep walking. And Willow's wife said to me, just keep walking, Paul, right? So I'm standing. And he's shouting at Willow, no, I'm going to... F- I'm going to phone Paddy McCourt and tell him you're a hun. We fucking hate the huns, right? And I'm at this point like, what is this guy's problem? I can hear Willow calming him down saying, listen, shut up. Paul plays with Paddy at Northern Ireland. They're teammates. You're out of order, blah, 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 right? So I'm at the, the top of Ashton Lane and Willow's something is supporting him doing Ashton Lane, like, as if I'd done something wrong to him. So he's, he's, walking, he's walking my way, right? And I'm just standing with Willow's wife and she's saying to me, He's, we played him when he was at Celtic he's always causing trouble blah, blah, blah. so I'm at right fine so I'm just bearing mind half sober mind mind business and he's turned around he, again he's like I'm going to fucking kill you right and I'm like just standing there and then he turns around and he's shouting Peyton I'm going to fucking kill you right so I'm thinking right this is getting beyond a joke everyone's watching he's making me look stupid I mean my friend's wife so I'm embarrassed not only is he sectarianly abused me He's trying to bully me in the middle of the street. So I'm thinking, I said, I said to Mark's wife, see if, see if he shouts again. It didn't become really that personal until he's shouting pain and everybody's turned around looking at me getting abused in the middle of the street. So I said, see if he shouts it one more time. I'm going to have to go down and say, do you mind not 
saying this to me in the street, not shouting my name, saying you're going to murder me in the street because I don't deserve it. He was walking with two women that weren't his wife, by the way. <laughs> I think certain, certain people or certain clubs can get put in the paper that his wife, his wife was in Poland. So anyway, he's walking with a bottle of wine in a bag and he's shouting he's going to kill me. So I say, see if he shouts it one more time, I'm, I'm going to have to go down because I'm embarrassed in front of a woman. Do you know what I mean? It's, they get that. So I say, I'm going to have to go down and say to him, you need to stop that. You can't just talk to me around the middle of the street. So again, he shouts, Peyton, I'm going to fucking kill you, right? But Will's holding him back. To me, bear in mind, I've not even done it to the guy. So I say, right, I'm going to have to go and tell him to stop it. But see, see as I'm walking down Ashton Lane, he's trying to kind of barge by Willow and get up it. And at this point, he's kind of barged by Willow. And he's obviously got a bottle of wine and he's saying, I'm going to fucking murder you. So I've kind of, I've, I, I had already admitted to the club that I had hit him once, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't like a haymaker punch. You know I mean, it was like a slap to say, stop this. Like, stop what you're doing because you're going to cause a scene and it's going to escalate. So it was like a half slap. So anyway, he's dropped his bottle of wine and it smashed. So I'm thinking, right, wow, that's, people are watching. I'm thinking, right, that's, that's enough. I'm walking away and I hear screams and someone else is hitting. So not a lot of people know that, but I knew that, my lawyer knew that, and a lot of everybody else that was there knew that. And it wasn't Willow or any of that that was involved. It wasn't any of them. So Willow couldn't have done any more in terms of trying to keep him back from me and keep us apart. So that's what happened. So I never really got to tell my side of the story in court because obviously people seen his injuries, but that didn't cause the injuries. Yeah. I could say a lot wanting to incriminate other people but at that time when it's went to court and stuff I've bear in mind I've already been done four weeks wages for United when I had told them they said to me a few liars and you caused the injuries is a sackable offence I said I never I only uh, hit him once I felt in danger he was going to murder me bear in uh, and he had a bottle of wine and it was like a slap but it wasn't even it was a half slap push, it wasn't a full force punch. So I never caused the injuries. So I was adamant to the word go. I said, I'm not taking the blame for that. So when I went to court, I've been getting accused of maybe four or five things. And right away, the court knew, and it was only one day, but bear in mind, I've been done four weeks' wages. Um, I'm having to pay a lawyer a lot of money. So we went there and it's went for four things. And see, the witness was. Junk. He was just a liar. He was a Celtic fan, and he was saying he was things he was saying. He would have had to have been able to bend his eyes around corners to see and stuff. So the two, it was all rubbish. It was all rubbish for the word go. And they quickly determined that, and he says, "Listen, all these charges are getting dropped. More or less, we know it's not you. But if you want to come back and claim self-defence, it's going to be another trial. It's going to be more money yeah, for more money, no." more money for me and he says you have a good chance you can claim it but you're going to have to be paying lawyers more money blah 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 it's went for all these um, charges to a lesser charge like a sat in the wrist kind of thing and my lawyers are you can come back if you want or you can just say listen take this which you already admitted you had done that you had hit somebody once or you had slapped them whatever always admitted that to the word go so that was no no problem Um so I was like, well, I admit I've done that. So it was like a, 
you have to arrest her charge, but I was I could, at that time in my life, I couldn't afford to lose four weeks' wages to go and keep paying the lawyers the daily rates and everything else that goes with that. And the fight, the court only done me £500 because they ended up saying to me, whoever it was speaking to the lawyers, I actually feel a bit bad for him because he's getting lumped to us in the press and it wasn't even him that caused his injuries. Mm-hmm. And I was never going to come out and start saying, oh, it was him. But we never allowed the court case to go far enough for all the dirt to come out. It was yeah. almost as said, listen, I'll just accept my part in that. Give me the fine, let me just go on with my career. And that's what I wanted to do. But at that time, the full fine cost me the best part of 10 grand. And that was me just going to celebrate, winning an SPL, play the month, have a few beers, somebody went to murder you. You see all the carry on now on Instagram and people are kicking up about all the abuse they're taking, James McLean sectarian and stuff, and it shouldn't happen. I had that to my face. Yeah. I had that to my face, celebrating having a beer. And I spoke to people at SFA and PFA since. He would have been up in front of the courts on sectarianism charges and everything else if he was still playing football in Scotland. But he was away to Germany at that time. I think he obviously knew he would have been in a bit of trouble. So it's disappointing. It's really disappointing because I get called some things about being a thug and stuff. And see me on the pitch when you snarl onto tackles and you argue. It's not the person I'm off the pitch, but I think people have seen me for that and I've been back to Parkhead a lot of times after and get people spitting at you, throwing stuff at you. More, more sectarianism or that so it's it's terrible but I had to live with that and a lot of people might be able to see well why did you know just walk away but at that time the abuse I just went through and I'm standing with somebody's wife just it didn't feel right that I should be standing there taking that abuse and when I went down I've not went down to thinking right I'm going to say about this guy and cause a fight and I was going down to say listen to defend myself say listen uh. If you were up here, if you were up here someday, you wouldn't, you wouldn't accept that. You'd have to say to him at least stop that. I never foreseen the events unfolding the way they did, mm. and as they did, I never caused his injuries. I was just a guy that was having to bear the brunt of it until it all came out in court. But as I said, the lawyer said to me, even if you go back and you, you do the self defence stuff, you, but you might have a good time for it. Might not work, mm. and I'm an that when I've got a young daughter so I thought right I'll take the start and the risk but see now I kind of wish I did just prolong the court case because I'd just rather mm. everything come out but at that time it's hard to deal with that mainly in terms you're on the front of papers and you can call names you're thinking well they really that deserve that for just- yeah. so I, never, I never caused the injuries which they never knew but they are thinking that I did so that was hard, but I just wanted to get back in the pitch and put for Dundee United. That was the only thing in my mind. Um, at that time, if that court case had went against me, I would have lost my United career because I had only ever said I've just gave my a slap. It wasn't, a, it yeah. wasn't, a, and that was that was the truth. And I was adamant for day one, so that if we went in my favour, that for the word go, I told the full truth. Mm. And what was the fallout amongst you, the teammates then, and in particular Rado, because if him and and, and Lucas were were buddies. Ken, was, was he saying, Ken, what have you done this to my mate for? Or was there any sort of friction there? I'd already fell out with Adam because he couldn't come for crosses anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> like he's mate Lucas. <laughs> I went in and kind of says, listen, I'm sorry what I had done, but it wasn't my fault. And I think he's kind of went, ah, I can't really talk to you or something. But yeah. I quickly get told that I never done those injuries to his friend, although I shouldn't have slapped him, but 
I never done that and I'm certainly not taking the blame for it. Yeah, no, mm. listen, we appreciate your honesty, especially if you never tell that side of it. But uh, thanks very much for that. Let's get back to on the pitch then. But there'll be some mere crazy Paul Payton moments coming up. Um, did you get injured as you missed the 6 2 derby? Or were you still in trouble with the club at this time? Because that's a hell of a game to watch for the sidelines. Oh, I was I was injured. I can't remember. I wasn't a big injury. I don't know. I was only injured for a short while. But uh, when I, I remember I went up, obviously, to watch the game and stuff, and it was unbelievable. But who was it in goals for Dundee? Shank? Yeah. Yep. Hall of oh. Fame up. <laughs> Honestly, what a terrible debut that was. But, <laughs> but the boys were on form that day. And obviously, just everything went right for us as well in terms of Gary scoring across and stuff. You know what I mean? It was just everything the boys done went, went right. And obviously... He's have went on to emulate that six two in recent times as well, which is nice to see. Yeah, and Callum Butcher <laughs> played in both. I did. Certainly did. I, I kind of believe somebody stick. I had seen Cal getting this year. I watched him last year, and he was he was the main man in that team, part of Shannon, obviously. But he was winning every duel that I'd seen, every big game that I watched. He was he was immense, especially the mm. derby. Mm. You see, I'm getting a lot of stick this year. I just didn't. I didn't agree with a lot of it. He's never going to be. Able. It was like mean ranks type play. He's not going to be one of the players dancing by three and four guys, but you need you need somebody around the team. But like last year when I was at Dunfermline, a butcher wasn't in the team. You'd think, oh, we've got a better chance of winning this game. He was he was a driving force of that team last year, from what I could see anyway. What was he like mm. to play against? Uh, good. good. Well, he's, he's similar to me. He's tenacious. He's also a bit younger as well, and he's probably got more legs, but he's. I just think he's a good player. He does a good job. He's. He was someone in a centre-half converted into a centre-mid, so I still think he could do a good job in a back three. I watched him recently playing in a back three, didn't I? Was he against Motherwell? Yeah. Uh, we got a bit, so... Uh, let's move, move on, move on. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's a good player, and obviously playing next to Fuchs will help him as well. He looks like a decent player, so looks like they've got a decent balance in them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, after the that January, the Aberdeen semi-final win, then Armstrong and GMS leave. Highs and lows, eh? Oh, listen, you couldn't script it. We had already lost some of your players and then they two leave as well. And it's hard to take, especially I think Nadia was going to be banned for the final. Mm-hmm. Yes. And to lose day two to Celtic, you're, you're getting rid of all your players. But you can't, you can't go and play Celtic in a final having losing Nadia and then losing your two best attacking players. You just felt as if you were kind of hung out of dry that time, like lambs to the slaughter. How can you sell those, those boys? For not a lot of money. What was it like as, as players? Like, because it happened late on on the Monday, but I'm assuming that goes on the whole day. Uh, it's, it's disappointing because you're you're never going to be able to bring anybody in for the boys at that time, and you've got a big final to look forward to. You'd already lost a final, and you're thinking, well, what chance have you got to beat the champions if you can't even have your best players in the pitch? So without Nads, it was going to be difficult. But to lose a two as well. It's, Bitterly disappointing. Yeah, because mm-hmm. uh, John Rankin had said that, you know, the the fact that we played some games, because we'll get to the March when we play four games against Celtic, look, they weren't even on the park for a couple of them, and then they just rolled them out for a league game, and it was it was what it was. Yeah. But the first one in March, Callum Butcher puts in a tackle, Paul Payton gets a red card. What's going on? I know, I want to say, see looking back, when you run through all the stuff, I think, what a year that was. <laughs> What do you remember of the incident? Ah, uh, yeah, there's a picture. Nothing, because he was not a do yet. <laughs> there's a picture of me, and I'm like that, and I'm looking at it. <laughs> so, 
Uh, funny times, but I remember Jackie last at the time saying, well, you and Virgil get sent off at the same time, so we'll take that. We'll take it. <laughs> what, did you th- days, but... what, did, what did you think when the red card came out, though? Because, I mean, the look on your face tells you you're you're as shocked as can be. See, the very start, I was thinking, have I done something there? And then, I, and then it, it dawns on me, no, I've not done anything, I've not done anything. But I said, <laughs> as I say, if you can take me and Virgil van Dijk off at the same time, then I'm pretty sure I would have been happy yeah. to do that. He wasn't a bad. <laughs> um, good tackle for Callum Butcher. I thought he, he won Ahan but the ball. Very <laughs> <laughs> much. It was good. I that's just thumbs cut up. I watched them sometimes last year and I was like, I can't believe he's not been sent off. It would be flying out of tackles a full game. Yeah, well, he, 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 I mean, he smashed into Nicky Lowe in the first minute of death. Set, set no, stand it was... Uh, what was he? Burn. Sh- Shane, Sean Burn. Sean Burn. Ah, he nailed him in about 30 seconds and he was on a book in the whole game and he was magnificent that night. He seems to play better on a book in a lot of times. Well, Comes I don't know. Down. I couldn't... Any, any time I seen him last year, he was brilliant. Um, and I know he can handle this step up. I don't know. He'd maybe just had a couple of iffy performances this year, but I just think with Fuchs in there beside him, they would do really well now. Yeah. And uh, you got a pretty bad injury in the April that year because it kind of ruled you out the rest of the actual calendar year, including the final game of the season again, Dundee. Nadir's licked Jim McAllister's leg. I'm not sure what he was doing. What a way to sign off his United career. That's not just typifies a guy. Um, well, just couldn't get out of the, the media attention at the time, but yeah, that's what I say, he's very like Morelos, just doing dark things, when you think he's learned, and then he'll just do something else, but uh, what a way to go, eh? Uh, <laughs> but that just started uh, from the most talent, but uh, his head was full of broken balls. Um, <laughs> what, what was the knee injury you got? It was a tendon problem, uh, I had bad, bad tendonitis in my, my knee, but mm-hmm, knowing what I do now about knee uh, tendons, you Jeff, Jeff, no criticism to Jeff. He told me to rest it till went back three season. You don't, you should never rest tendons. You should load them to make them stronger and try and heal. But I think I kind of get the the wrong advice. So I've I've get told to rest my knee. Uh, and when I went back for pre season, I think we played QPR away or something. Done it Barnet on it, and I just couldn't move. Like I couldn't move even in the warm up. So that was, I think that was one of the final straws. I said, listen, enough's enough. Need the operation. Because um, it was worse offending. And the, I get told at the time, the operation's only 60% successful. There's a good chance it will only work. What they do is, I think, shave away the bad bits of the, the bad bits of the tendon, poke it full of holes, try and get it to heal with blood and recover. So that was more or less the operation. But it was the best thing I'd done because I felt better after it, albeit I was out for April till the January so it was a long time being injured mm. and mm. having some of the performances in the pitch as well makes it even harder going for playing in a team that I was playing in and I've come back and it's been like a shadow of what I was used to Aye. What, yeah. what was your thoughts on Jackie leaving? Obviously I was disappointed because I was close to him they brought me to the club and we played together at Thistle and he was my manager at Thistle and I had a lot of time for him and everything else but it's easy to sit here now and say, oh, I think you would have turned it around. Um, would they have kept us up? I don't know. It was just disappointing at the time. Um, it gets a lot of stick for the, the fans, Jackie, because of the stuff about 
his contract that should never get leaked contract should be like you guys wouldn't want people knowing what you are on and your contracts and your work I don't know how that would even be like but when I spoke to Jackie about it he was gutted about stuff like that coming out because he's thinking well from my point of view look at him the guy was a millionaire he captain Celtic he probably made more money made more money for his testimonial than against Republic Ireland a full parkhead than I would in my full career so why does he need to sell his best players for money I don't, I think if you'd, I said to Jackie, do you want to keep this team together or do you want to sell them and make a few quid? I'm pretty sure they would have kept the team together. So I felt from that way because once you sell the, all, the, all these players, five, six players, whatever it was, you can't replace them for that kind of money. Mm-hmm. So I think the club was obviously needing the money. They was obviously struggling for the money they wouldn't have sold them. So the money's obviously going to debt, so they're paying off whatever. They're never going to say, right, we sold five million pounds worth of players let's bring in two and a half million pound players. It just doesn't work at our level. So I, I absolutely killed him because recruitment can't be as good as what it was. No, you took... It was almost, uh, from a fan's point of view, Ron, it, it almost looking back now, and even at the time, I suppose, it, it felt like a bit of a deflection from the then chairman because obviously it came out after we had sold Mackay, Stephen and Armstrong, I'm sure. Uh, now, the chairman was certainly no Mr. Popular in, in the city after they two got sold. So to me, it just it almost seems like it was leaked on purpose. I don't know when it was leaked. I don't know who it was leaked to, but it, to me, it's too much of a coincidence that it just accidentally come out. I think it was leaked on purpose mm. to deflect to what was going on above Mark Namara. I think so. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned recruitment there. I mean, Nadir left and Kalambucha left, Keith Watson, Rado, Yarrow, Midge Gardine who I know didn't have got on with Jackie, but another character that we've heard plenty of stories about. But then the likes of, you know, Cinema Pongol come in, E.G. Kawashima, Guy Damel, uh, Darko Badul, Rodney Schneider. Where do we start? I don't think you they start. I just think you might pass them. <laughs> <laughs> but for you, you, you're actually, I mean, you're injured up until near enough, Aye. I think, the January window. I mean, it must be frustrating. Just a few, I think you missed Tagger. Cool. Yeah, oh, there's loads. Cool. There was there was loads more. It's hard. Like <clears throat> obviously I'm watching, and by this time I'm writing for the club, and I'm loving the club, and being there and seeing it changing. You always know your players, and I was injured, and I'm watching it. And a lot of games, I'm thinking, oh, we're comfortable here, we're going to win. And then just I don't know what happened in games, but you would just lose a game, or you would draw the game. Thinking, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. And my, that was my third year. I said, how how's how's that just happened? Uh, and it happened the whole season and when stuff like that is happening you just know it's not going to be your year but a couple at Dundee United should never never have that kind of car with our players on the pitch and should never get relegated in the fashion we did it was going through what we were used to and then getting served up with that wasn't good enough and um, because I was into this it would be wrong for me just to sit here and criticise and say I'm not only good enough and stuff but it was hard to watch do you know what I mean it was the time in my career that I had loved and it was hard to see United playing like and it was obvious that we were going to end up getting relegated. So I've, I've been watching a lot of the games and couldn't believe that we were losing some of them coming back. And I wasn't fit until the January. And um, and, a new, point, and a new manager's coming as well. Max, who came in and we were 14 points behind. So you look at it in realistic terms, it was going to be something monumental to, to pull that back. But I remember... I, I was coming back from my re-injury but I was still in a lot of pain 
I was back training I was begging make sure you start me against Kilmarnock because it was the biggest game of the season it was the, big, the first game I'd started back he's like Pete I don't think you're ready like, you're still in pain you're limping I said just trust me play me in the game just play me in the game please just play me and then the next day my name is up and they won 5-1 mm-hmm. yeah. so, best performance of the season that's no cause but I had a sheer determination and willingness to play for the club that I just wanted back in the pitch and try and help but we had obviously won that game Sean Dillon was eating mud in the goal mouth that day after he scored <laughs> I remember it well I'm the celebration line in his stomach uh, and then we had a few other good results after that in the cups and stuff and up against County and then against Hearts so I've came back and I've hardly kicked a ball I think I only had maybe two weeks training with the team and I'm still in bits and I, I had to beg him to get back in the team and then he ended up saying to me two or three games later that Pates, you, you need to be my captain on the pitch now like no one else can wear the armband you've came back you begged me you've made a difference blah blah and I think that's when I won my second SPL player of the month after been out for so long and it meant so much to me individually come back from a knee injury that I, and I'm still in pain so he win I never envisaged myself winning one SPL player of the month but to win my second one was quite unbelievable for somebody that doesn't score goals and Scored a goal against Hearts. Let's just Aye. talk about that goal against Hearts. Whenever what you had goal? that in your locker. Aye, well... Is it pure it, anger at that point? It was. It was because I remember the play was on the right-hand side of the pitch and we played the ball back. I think the fans shouted something to me and I kind of turned around. That's right, yeah. I, was, I wasn't sitting far from that person when he shouted because when you scored that, you're on right back. Yeah. Aye, I remember kissing <laughs> the badge and kicking the... The, the advertising boards and that pure anger and relief but I knew we were kind of fighting an uphill battle and one was going to realistically only going to win but I was just trying to give everything to be back in the team and I was just delighted to be back when, playing for the club and I think that's how I won my second award because it wasn't going to be a great play it was just going to be a sheer heart and desire and I think the team missed that that season not just for me but it was a lot of people thrown in the gutter and a lot of people that probably didn't care much about the club. A lot of foreign boys coming in and realistically, were they going to be caring more Dundee United for the next season? I don't think they were really, if I'm honest. Um, whereas for a boy like me, it was being at United was something I had ever hoped in. It was going to be the best club I was ever going to play for. So I was just trying to give my all to, to stay there, to be honest. Uh, 9th of April, you play a simple pass to uh, Gav Gunnan. And he just so your fault. picks the bar up. <laughs> you played the last pass ever of Gav Gunnan's United career. <laughs> uh, honestly, <laughs> back to this day, and I still look for him to kick it rather than pick it up. But I'd say to him after the game, because I was quite close with Gav. <clears throat> and as I said, we'd all sit next to each other in the change room and that. And he just says, Pates, I thought I had done my knee again. He says, I don't know what came over me, but I thought I've done my knee. And I've picked the ball up because I, I, I was thinking to myself, I need treatment as soon as possible. He just said something went in his head that he hurt his knee. And that's where I didn't do it to be disrespectful to anyone or to fuck anyone off. It was just like an absolute brain fart moment. But he said to me, listen, I thought I'd done my knee. I thought I'd done something serious. I felt like I'm going my knee. He said, I don't know why I've picked the ball up, but I did. And I'll have to deal with that now. It wasn't as if he just thought, ah, just give me the ball, I'm going off. Although he'd done stupid stuff, he wasn't that stupid um, mm-hmm. I was just I want you to think Gav what are you doing mm-hmm. but yeah. he said reasoning to me so 
I do, I do believe what he said, albeit it was a stupid thing to do. And when you're looking like you're going to get relegated, it's, it looks even after. Yeah. I, I could, one of the stories that popped in when you were speaking about him there was Johnny Russell tell me he, uh, he made Johnny Russell tuck his burnt nursery for him. That's just one thing he made up there. Johnny, you could drive that kind of key tap my burnt nursery. It's just a little, just <laughs> what? I mean, that was just gaff. <laughs> so, uh, we went to my, was it my bear? My bear one season, three season, and Jackie let his go uh, for the night. Having a few drinks, we ended up. It was me, him, and Goody. What a free that was to be. <laughs> so we're we're coming in at seven in the morning or something. There's it still is light again. We're coming in, and the taxi driver's been dead cheeky, shouting at Gab or something. Uh, so we get the taxi, and we're walking at the main bit of my beer, and the taxi driver's shouting something out, and oh, here's a thud, and Gav took the windmill, uh, the windmill right off the guy's taxi. <laughs> <laughs> What you doing? You just keep walking away. It's like, no. <laughs> I don't even know if you just try to walk in. You just took the hang off. I'm like, no, oh, God. Three season two. He was, he was, he was the best guy in the old dressing room. The two times he was there when I was there, he was, I remember when he first came back, must have been Mixu and Youngie that brought him back. And he's, he's walked in and all the foreign boys are sitting there and all quite cliquey. Certain boys would sit with certain boys. And I've just seen him walk through the door and he's like, the fucking king is back. <laughs> All these fond boys and that are like, what, 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 what is this king? He's like, the fucking king is back. He's going to ruin everybody. And he's going, shite, shite, shite. He's went to me, no bad. <laughs> <laughs> just keeping everybody, but that's just... <laughs> oh, the, the stories have been absolutely brilliant. Um... So obviously that that was the end of Gav Gunning, but <laughs> second to me at Dens, is is that the lowest you you felt as a player, or you mentioned someone about the Scottish Cup final? I, what's the what's the difference? I'll take a lot. Of, uh, it's not it's not a worst. The finals are worst because see because I had been injured for so long and I've come back and we're fourteen points adrift. Although I need to take a lot of blame. I missed so much of that. I've came back. I've gave my all. I've scored a couple of goals. I've won another player in the month. I gave everything, get told not to play the last few games. Oh, I'm sorry, that was after that. I get told mm-hmm. not to play. Yep. So although it was a totally devastating night, see, that, that could have been against anybody that night and with a problem with Dunkley were so poor and it, the writing was on the wall for a long time and of course it was devastating and I, I do feel part of it but I had missed so much of the season and I can look myself in the mirror and say when I came back to a bad knee injury, I've gave everything. I've won awards that I shouldn't, I sent a, I played them and my ability should never be winning to them I've won to and I take a lot of the blame and it still hurts but not as much as the final because at that final the team we had a chance to become legends everything and I was never going to get to a Scottish Cup final again so that was disappointing it was disappointing to, to get relegated of course it was and you know how much he went to the club and having seen how much hurt the clubs went through after it it's obviously devastating but for me just a personal thing it was always a Scottish Cup for me wasn't it because I, I was just a dream to hold the silverware aloft for Dundee United would have been great would have been great unbelievable so that was a big disappointment and as I say of course it was devastating to get relegated but I'd missed so much of the season I could see it happen before my eyes and as I say uh, Mixu had made me his captain kind of thing so to wear the armband at the end get beat off them get relegated it just summed it up it was devastating and I knew then the writing was probably going to be in the wall in terms of my Dundee United career 
Ah, so you mentioned because one of the things that popped up to me because again we, we've mentioned it where like Ranks obviously said he was desperate to play in them the three games but when I looked at the games you're not actually listed so what happened? Well came in the next day and the chairman's more or less said anybody that's got a contract can leave kind of thing um, and it, they said it was in my best interest not to be playing in case I get injured <laughs> and they were going to be probably left me for the the next season so they were keen, I think they were keen coming for the chairman that they were keen for it to be a fresh start. A manager coming in, building his, his whole new side kind of thing. Um, he kind of put it to me that like, you can go if you want, Pates. And I'm thinking, if somebody tells you that, you're going to go because you're not going to say, oh, I want to stay. He'd obviously probably spoke to whoever he was bringing in and he might have said, oh, I don't fancy what he's had. Just put my ass off to come back for a, a long-term knee injury. As I say, one another award, been hit with a relegation, I was devastated about it. And then I've got a guy the next day saying, Oh, you can go if you want. I'm never going to turn around and say, Oh, please, please, I want to stay. They obviously had my back up with that. I was like, kind of more or less kind of believe he's saying that to me after I've just tried to, to do for the club. But I could understand they wanted to go in a fresh, a fresh way. So right then I, he said, more or less, just miss the rest of the season because so you don't get injured. Because one, it was scrap on me to try and get another deal somewhere. And the club would prefer for an injured player. Yeah, and obviously you, <clears throat> a few weeks later, you mutually consent and you go. But is it is it still a frustrating thing? Being you've still got a year on your contract, you're perfectly within your right to stay if you wanted. Um, how did it make you feel when kind of you walk out the door for the last time or whatever? I was devastated to be honest. I was disappointed. I think I had a tear in the eye, but it was such a frustrating season for being injured to then relegated I was just I was at a real low and then the chairman says that to me whoever was in charge above me at the time not even got enough interest to know who I was I didn't think very highly of me anyway whoever was else was involved in the club at that time making all the decisions financially so I was like what do you do I had been involved in all the I had been back to the engine I was now involved in the international squads I was more or less told you're not being involved in international squads playing the Scottish Championship. The clubs tell me more or less to go without a manager. And there's nothing to say that, obviously I know now it was Ray McKinnon, there's nothing to say that he would have liked me anyway. So at the time, St Johnson says, listen, we can take... I was just, oh, bear in mind, I was only a few months back and a few games back for a bad knee injury. And I was still in pain at this time. And they're offering me a two-year deal to go to the SPL, stay in the SPL, keep my international recognition. I would have been an absolute fool to say no to that. If the club had turned around and said to me, Pates, you've just won an award. I know we're relegated. You've worked your ass off. We'll give you a new deal. I would have stayed at United 100%. I would have stayed there to the That's a fact. But the fact they say is no, you're free to leave. And then I still wasn't fully recovered for that century. So I'm thinking two years in the SPL. Had to do it. As simple as that. But my decision, it wouldn't have even had a decision to make if United had been different about the situation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then obviously you, you go to you know St Johnston and you went to Plymouth for a bit as well. Take it that wasn't up too much. No, it was good, but I had my wee daughter here, so it was only ever going to be short term. Um, it was a weird one at St Johnston because I played every week more or less for Tommy. Done well, I played a game against... My last two games for the club was two starts, obviously one against Rangers, we beat them 3-1 or some Ibrooks. The next week we played Hearts. And I snapped my ATFL on my ankle. Totally snapped it. And uh, I came back. That must have been before Christmas or something. 
and I and then I've came back for that. It was only took me about five weeks, and I was full. I was back playing just again eager to get back as soon as I could. Played in a Scottish Cup game the next day. I think there's only a day left in the transfer window, and Tommy says, "Listen, we've got a chance of getting somebody in from Manchester United. The club's going to go in a new direction in terms of bringing younger boys in." I think I was only fair at the time, to be fair. Um, but they were obviously offering to pay me up and stuff. And I was thinking, well, I've, I've been playing well here. But I'm involved in all the national squads. If you pay me up, I'll go to another club in the SPL, no bother. Or so I thought. So I was thinking, right, that's fine. Because again, if somebody tells me you can go, I'm going. Because anybody wants to feel loved. You can't work for people that can say, oh, you can go. He says you can fight and stay for your place but we're all the impression we're going to start changing things and that's when I had left and then they got rid of Midge Miller and then uh, McLean left boys like that was all Stephen Anderson they started to get rid of, they did start to get the age uh, gap down so I was fine so I've went there and I thought right I'll get another club easy the only club, the only two clubs that phoned me were really well three one was Barnett when they were in League 2 and they offered me a decent deal to go down to London but Tommy Wright told the manager, oh, he's been paid up some money for us. So then the money that was getting offered for Mark McGee then dwindled away into like a terrible contract. So not only had the guy just said I can go, he killed that move as well. So honestly, I was raging. So the only other two teams that phoned me after that was Livingston, who was in the championship at the time. And no one could foresee what they were going to go on and do. I didn't think they were going a, a decent side at that time. And Morton, so I wasn't really interested to be honest so I thought you know what I'm just going to wait it out wait it out and then Derek Adams called me and he says we've just picked up an injury do you want to come down and what a place honestly going down there and you're playing in front of 13,000 fans in that Plymouth's a, a big big club lovely mm-hmm. place but that went down they had won something like t- or they were unbeaten in 10 games I think it was their best ever winning League 1 and they were just near enough to playoffs to go up to the Championship so I didn't play much when I first went I was only training for a few days and I came on and made my debut and stuff and made a few appearances came on at Charlton and then my first start against Northampton not a wee boy's captain Swansea a wee boy Grimes Ashley Grimes or something like went in for a tackle with him or I've had my back to him I went to play a ball in the corner he slipped through my feet and he went right in the ankle that I had just uh, snapped the TFL on at St Johnston that went again that was me out for the rest of the season. So I was thinking, wow, I was only ever going to be down there short term anyway, as I say. It was only kind of a safe face and kind of I thought, I'll go down to a big club. They're trying to get in the championship. I'll hopefully come back up and sign for another SPL, uh, SPL club. But it didn't happen. But I'm glad I went to uh, Plymouth because see different sides of the English game, like the travelling, travelling eight and a half hours in a bus to games and stuff. And people moaning about up to Inverness. It's crazy down there. But it was brilliant. <laughs> as well mm. lovely lovely honestly um, glad I went and then I came back up thinking right let's get sorted but it turned out in that going to Falkirk after it yeah and you have Falkirk and Dunfermline followed what was it like playing against United and playing at Tannadice on the opposition team it was hard obviously I get sent off mm-hmm. that was alright because you know what I think that was my, was my first game back so I'd been built it up in my head at the game back and I was looking forward to it and then Big uh, Safranco went head to head to me and I ended up just losing it in a split second because I had built myself up much up 
for going to the gate uh, for coming back to Tanadice. You know what I mean? So I loved it there, and I had a, a really good affiliation with the fans, and or I feel it felt as if I did anyway. So to go back there, it was always going to be hard wearing an off-team strip. But I was going through a hard time that season. I get diagnosed with type one diabetes. Um, went to play again against Alwa and failed two blood sugar tests. I'd said I had to been well, and they played me in the game, which I now know more or less I kind of something bad could have happened to me in that game. And my wee and the testing that the doctor gave me, my two tests came back. They just said high on it, which now I know my bloods would have been above like thirty five, whatever it is, when they should be in single figures. So I was in a bad, bad way. I get rushed to hospital after the game, after 60 minutes, so I went to hospital. I was in for five days, diagnosed with type 1 and stuff, so it was hard for me because earlier that season, I knew something's not right with me because I, I, after playing with ranks, my diet was always perfect. I was always in the gym, kept fit, but 10 minutes into games, I had pains in my calves and I wasn't breathing the way I would normally breathe. I'm thinking, Pete, maybe you've come to the end of your career, but I must have only been about 30, 31 or something. Mm-hmm. And I think there's something something matter me and I didn't know what it was and I now know it's because I had that much sugar in my blood that it wasn't pumping around my body and stuff and it was giving me cramps in my calves and I just wasn't the player I was <clears throat> and then after I get diagnosed I started to feel a lot better that's when my performances improved at Falkirk uh, I'd done well towards the end of the season that. and then last year I felt great I felt back to being really fit and Put myself about, and that was my most enjoyable season since I left uh, St. Johnson mm-hmm. at Dunfermline. And um, you're at East Kilbride now, obviously, it's frustrating because you're, you're no playing, but um, off the outside looking in, it's a very interesting project doing there. I mean, there's a lot of, I think Chris Erskine's there as well, and a couple of other sort of ex players that have been around the block. Uh, enjoying it up until it did get canned? I was, I was, there's a lot of reasons why I went there. They obviously gave me a decent contract and stuff, but no like full-time ages, but decent for part-time. And I thought, with the whole COVID stuff, I've been no fans. And I watched some games recently. I'm not been disrespectful to some clubs, but watching Queen's game the other week on TV at Queen's and there's no fans, I think, I don't even want to be playing in that level with no fans and stuff. So I thought if I, if I go part-time and try and get a good uh, kind of career sorted away for the game to start with, then that would stand me in good stead. But it's been hard, I must say. I've been doing a few odd jobs for my mates' companies and stuff and not really been able to nail down a long-term kind of career as such a way for the game. So I'm still looking, still looking at certain things to try and get involved in, but it's been hard. But I was enjoying my football. When you go part-time, I had offers for, the, obviously I had eight or nine offers for the leagues, but there was no point in my statement. I was in, I was joining a good project at East Cobride, a good manager. A lot of good players were joining, but for me to join a League One club, for instance, I'd been at Folk at Partick Thistle. Why would I then join a club part-time that isn't going to win the league? Why would I go to League Two and join a club in Queen's Park and go to romp it and I've already been at Queen's Park and they're full-time? So you look at it and then, no disrespect again, but the teams in the Championship, the part-time teams, because I had it in my head, I'm going to go part-time. There's no point in dragging out for another year with no fans, nor another two years on rubbish money. So I was thinking, do it this year. And then even the teams in the championship, I'm not, I wouldn't want to travel with Aloha or, or both, even if they wanted me, to play in front of no fans. And Because I'm thinking, if I get a good job, the last thing I want to do after that is travel with Abrof. Mm. More so, for the distance than, than where it is. I've been worked out well. Aye, that's what I mean. I've been worked out well. We used to the location. It was the start of a project. It was kind of 
sold to me the full project. But they just agreed to build a new 8,000-seater stadium as well, which is obviously massive. East Kilbride's obviously a big town as well, massive town. So everything looked great. Um, and we've been okay. We've kind of underachieved this year a wee bit. A couple of poor results, but uh, no, it's been good. I've enjoyed it. It's, it's, I just love playing football. Um, obviously, I feel I can play at a much higher level, but I just thought this year, of all years, it's best to just call it quits. Just with the whole, everything that's happened in the world and as I say, there's if people now seen me as a championship player, there's there wasn't another club I wanted to play before the championship. So I thought why kid myself on? Mm. Have you ever thought of just uh, doing your badges like a lot of your, your ex teammates would have done and just staying in the game or trying to stay in the game at least? Oh that's that will that will be the aim, but ranks are the different for me in terms of just using him as a comparison because when I was at United doing well, I was in the international squads. So when boys are doing their badges through an international break, I was away. And then when I went to St. Johnson, I was in the national squads, so I was still away. And then I thought, right, might be a good time to try and get involved now. But when I've been at Plymouth and come up, I think, now I don't have a club. I can't go and pay £3,000 or whatever it is for the B licence. I'll do it the mm. following year. So when I'm at Falkirk, when there's international breaks, you don't get any because you need to play in that Jobby Cup. Mm. So you're having to play in that. And then when I'm at Dunfermline, it's the same kind of stuff. So I've no... And then I was thinking, I'll do it at the end of Dunfermline season, but I didn't foresee... Covid coming when it did. did. <laughs> so that's why I've no yet done them because there's always been something in the road, whether it be international games or then having to play through the breaks. So uh, I will get them done, and it is something that I like to do. But I just thought, see if I get a career sorted away from the game now, then I'm always going to have that yeah. rather than scuffling about in a couple of years trying to find something because you could have your badges and no one could give you a job. So you can have these badges saying, oh, I'm going to be a coach, but mm-hmm. can only be a coach if somebody gives you a job. So yeah. I just wanted something secure, and I've not actually found it yet. So if anybody's listening to this and wants to give me a great career prospect, so that would be great. Uh, but I'm only kidding, but it's been difficult, especially this year. Um, but I knew it was going to be difficult, and my, my mate kind of sorted me out doing a few jobs with him as well. So it was all, I found it quite, quite comfortable and quite easy, but it's getting to the point where I need to get something sorted long term. Mm. Listen, you, you mentioned your, your badges and that there. Obviously, at one point, United were, were without a manager and uh, Paul Payton went on the recruitment drive. And uh, <laughs> I mean, that was a, you were going for it, weren't you? Your hats were in the run. <laughs> I, had, I had an idea, idea messing me saying, Listen, bro, I'll come back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That oh. I mean, it was it was something. It was it was funny to watch certainly. But you've mentioned you've you've watched bits of United uh, this year. Um, obviously, coming back up to the for the championship to the Premiership. What have you made of what you've seen so far? I I always thought it was going to be a hard year in terms of you're just looking for some stability. Obviously, obviously United positions are much higher than staying in the league, but have a decent position. I didn't think it was going to be uh, easy to come up and be top, but. Some of the fans' reactions, I've been, I was quite surprised. Oh, I had watched some of the games, and some of the games they were poor. St. Mum, I watched it a few few weeks ago. But mm-hmm. Joe scored, Joe scored, didn't he? And he won the penalty. Mm-hmm. I watched games like that, and it was poor. But you, watch, you see the last two games in the results in them, it's chalk and cheese. So you know you're anything like capable of it. I was always, I always just thought it was a formation. It was probably trying to fit too many people in, and when. It, I think McMullen was your only real out-and-out winger and he got rid of him. So I was thinking, well, how's he going to go about this? But he seems to have found a good formation now and it's it's going great. And 
it's good to see Big Ryan Edwards in the team doing well as well. I think he's made a bit of difference. So everything's going well. Yeah, no, he certainly settled in that. Um, after 95 appearances, six goals at the club, how do you sum up your time at United? I wouldn't have changed it for the world. It was the happiest time in my career, both on and off the pitch. So my daughter's, my daughter's still mad at United. I've still, got, I've still got a picture here. I think I'd get that for... you see that? I can see that. Oh, is that the... Oh, I can't remember. Tremendous. Is that... uh, but, no, this is... I'm in my daughter's room, so... Please get one of the things I can put my iPad on to put up to the So just in case you're thinking that was my favourite bed sheets. Ah. <laughs> no judgment here. <laughs> I, I, I got that, that for a man in the match uh, when I was at United, obviously. And she's she asked me to keep it and she keeps it there. So I, my what? family still got a bit of a with the club here. Obviously, I grew up with my brothers on Saturdays because I'm not playing at the minute. That's how, I've, that's how I've seen so many games because it's good to keep a, keep a firm interest and I'll be I'll be a fan of the club for the rest of my life. So I mean, it was a, as I said, it was the happiest time in my career. And there's probably no a, there was no a club I would rather have been at and spent my time at. I was obviously hoping to do this kind of interview in person and then go to a game and have a few beers after it. But no, happen. This is as good as it's going to get me now. So Aye. I'll definitely get back up in the future without a doubt. I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. Yeah, no, we appreciate that. Um, right, time for a quick fire questions. What was or what would be a favourite pre-match meal? It would have been cereal. Me and Ranks always ate cereal. Everybody else for pre-match would have had hot food. Me and him would just eat cereal. Again, that's Ranks' influence on me. Honestly, it worked me. I've, I've, I've wore the same boxers for three years because of Ranks. <laughs> Listen, I'm not lying. It was black and on, black and tangerine, Calvin Klein's. It just worked. <laughs> I would do so many stuff because of ranks. That, uh, I mean, what what cereal we're talking here? What's what's? Oh, we wear bags. Oh, it would have been crunchy nut cornflakes. And then it was in at Tannadice, so then it was there for pretty much meals away games. We would always just say, let's see if we went to Inverness and that for games, they would have all the big fancy food. Me and Ranks was like, no, can you just bring us some cereal? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a lot less than what Benji told us he was eating when we had him on. I mean, that was he was in about he, he was in about an eight courser. I can't. But uh, the, the the team met with the worst dress sense. John Devon. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's I mean, I never expected that. Uh best teammate you've ever had. I just seen Devil dress as a snowman the other week. Correct. It's <laughs> the best he's ever looked. I've done him favours. Uh best teammate you've ever had. It could be purely personality or, or ability wise. John Rankin. He's solid and he's solid pro. Uh, did you ever have a magic hat? I did, and it's in the wardrobe for a manager. <laughs> <laughs> uh, being a West Coaster, do you have sausages in your steak pie? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. What's that, that about? I don't know. Is that no? I thought that was just a thing. It's a West no, Coaster. We didn't do that up in Dundee. Didn't do that. It's just steak and a steak pie. Ah, Is well, that... I don't know. A family tradition has been passed down from my grand and my mum, and obviously I don't make it, but she still makes it with sausages. So uh, I'm all for it. I would, I would even put brown sauce in mine. Well, that's, that's, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, your favourite holiday destination? Spain. Can't go wrong. You still got to fry up on a Sunday in Spain. It's class. Um, do you have an interest in any other sports? Uh, do you know? I've actually been watching the NFL season. I watched a lot of American football in the past. Uh, yeah, so I was enjoying that. Um, team, 
it's uh, Rams. Uh, I'll give that. You know, there's a story behind it because at Christmas time, I'd been watching a lot of games, but I did, didn't have a team. So me and, my, me and my brother filled out these things online and it was, where's your best holiday destination? Where would you... And it was a lot of different questions and end up finding your team suitable to your answers. So I get hit with the area a murder, but I think I'm going to have to stay with them. They're not as bad so, as Paul's team. As a, they're not as bad as the Jets. No, they're, they're not as bad as my team. Yeah, I was thinking. Uh, they're not great either, are they? No, the Jets are absolutely shite, but we'll, we'll move on for that. Uh, what's one TV series people have to have watched? Oh, it's class, isn't it? Absolutely brilliant, especially when Megan was in it. But anyway, um, <laughs> who's your hero? Hero, it was Barry Ferguson when I was young. Uh, no bad Good player, player, I suppose. No bad player. Bad. That's uh, no. We'll edit. We'll edit that. It's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about that, Paul. Uh, and lastly, uh, who would you most like to sit next to on a ten-hour flight, and why? David Beckham. Why? Because <laughs> probably smells nice. Oh, he's bad. Uh, just to pick his brains in his career. And... Debbie's so it's the first, first, first name that came to head and that maybe he could take me to Miami with him. That'd be decent. I was one person that wouldn't be was hello anyway, because he would be talking for the full ten hours. <laughs> yeah. That's we, very true. I mean, we had three, three four and a half hours with him, and we still got about another four and a half hours to go with him. But he's a, <laughs> he's a great lad. Uh, uh, Paul, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. Thanks for giving up some time to to look back in your United career and being so open and honest uh, about it. I hope you... Do you think your leagues will start up again? Do, do, do you think it'll happen? Do you think you'll get to finish them or even get some games in? I think that they might start up with a different format. I don't know if it might play half the games. I've heard they might start back up with half the games and then split into a top eight and bottom eight, bottom eight kind of thing. I don't know. And that was before the whole Rangers debacle in terms of their players as well. So... I don't know what kind of impact that has on the government's decisions on stuff with us. So I don't know. I hope it does. I'll understand if it doesn't, but my club's point of view, our owner's put in a lot of his own money to make this possible this season. So for guys like that, it's disappointing. Um, I hope we go back and finish it because had aspirations of winning the league and starting a new adventure. But if it doesn't happen, I fully understand people losing family members and everything else. I understand and hopefully go again next year. Paul Payne, it's been a pleasure. Thanks very much. Thank you. Take care and I'll see you soon. So thank you very much to Paul Payne, or as Ronnie's now calling him, Pates, because he's he's good buddies with him. Mates, mates, uh, mates with Pates. Pates, 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 mates, mates with Pates. It was, it was actually Paul that got in touch with us months and months ago just to say uh, he enjoyed listening to an episode. I, I can't, I forget what one it was. It must have been an ex-teammate or something that was on. And uh, so back then we said, well, and you're always welcome. Any ex-player, always welcome to come on. So it may have taken a few months, but it was uh, it was great to finally get around to doing it. And obviously, we've we've now added to our list of Gavin Gunning stories, uh, which was which is always nice and the fucking and funny king is back. The king was back. Uh, but yeah, but thank you very much to to Paul for for giving up some of his time. We a couple of idiots on a, a Thursday night. It was very much appreciated, and I hope you enjoyed it. And Paul McNichol just walks away with a wing mirror in his pocket. Um, <laughs> like final bit of uh, 
bit of nonsense or action or uh, delight, depending on what way you look at it, but two good games for you coming up. On this day, in association with the Arab Archive, preserving the history of Dundee United Football Club since 2006, 22nd of February is our focus today, two games, and uh, 1982 is where we begin. What a year. What a year. Um, the match was delayed for five minutes to allow the healthy crowd into Easter Road to witness the third meeting between the sides to see who could progress after a second replay in the fourth round of the Scottish Cup. United remained unchanged from the side that drew with Rangers two days before. That would have been nice today. Uh, after a goalless first half, Hibbs started the second half again on the front foot with Arthur Duncan cutting the ball back. Ray reacted to slow, to, uh, to, too slow to allow Paul Hegarty to clear. And in the 53rd minute, United broke the deadlock. Kirkwood swung a ball over for Dodds to head back across goal to the unmarked John Holt, who blasted the ball beyond MacArthur. Hibbs had a penalty claim when Duncan went down the crowded penalty area in the 69th minute. And just as they thought they might get back into the match, United broke in 77 minutes. And from Ralph Mills' low cross from the left, Davy Dodds steered the ball home. Two minutes from time, United scored a third after Eamon Bannon scored from the penalty spot after Davy Dodds had been fouled. United progressed and finished Hibbs nil, United three. Get in there. To 1997. And it isn't often that both managers agree that the wrong side won, but both Tommy McLean and Bobby Williamson were in agreement. The home side, Kilmarnock, struggling to avoid the drop, had the better start. Morris Malpass sent a glancing header past his own keeper as he stretched to make contact with Burt's cross. Well, United might have equalised right away. Winters knocking a shell. Olufsen crossed narrowly wide of the near post. The action mainly centred around Sieb Dijkstra. The Dutchman kept us in the contest with some great saves. United appeared fortunate to be trailing by only a goal at the interval. However, the clouds lifted as Ray McKinnon scored the first of what was to be a very unique hat-trick. McGowan fouled Shell Olsen out on the right-hand side of the box. Ray curled a right-foot shot into the top left-hand corner to give United an equaliser. The first-half display didn't really deserve. 20 minutes in the second half, another free kick, this time more centrally located after McPherson had fouled Jamie Dolan, which enabled Ray McKinnon to produce a complete action replay of his first. Lekovic did likewise, failing to move a muscle as the ball sailed into the net. But United defence, which had uh, unusually uncomfortable afternoon, were caught out four minutes later. Henry Cross from the right, Paul Wright headed into the far corner for a deserved leveller. However, six minutes later, the match took another twist. Gary McSwigan, bearing in on goal, was wrestled to the ground by McGowan. Quite unbelievably, Ray McKinnon scored his third free kick, this time going low into the opposite corner with the keeper getting the meanest of touches to the ball. United may have ran out winners. It was hard not to feel sorry for the home side. Kelly 2, United 3 will take the same result next week if it means three points. What three brilliant free kicks that day. It's on the Arab Archive, by the way. It's just... Yeah. I mean, it was like Mamie Calme Bell done the three penalty saves, which is an unbelievable. Mm. It's a better feat than the free kicks. Don't get it wrong. But that was unbelievable that day. I mean, it probably would have been teletext or something, you know. Um, getting updates of that and you're like nay danger and it probably would have been what sports scene or Scott sport or whatever and you were just like wow you know it was incredible it's class never done hear anybody you could take a free kick anyway um, that is it uh, from us uh, thank you very much thank you very much again uh, my big mate Pates uh, for giving up some time uh, to speak to us this week uh, coming up though Kelly away next Saturday against a man that clearly hated United what a shocker. 
What are you thinking though? Uh, let us know on social media. We're at Dode Fox Podcast. Do have a great week. Do keep your distance. Wear a mask. And don't forget, as always, do wash your hands and your asshole. <laughs> <laughs>